Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. We're all mortals. Our bodies, though strong, can't defy time. One day, we will die. What matters most is the legacy we leave behind. Did we become all that we are capable of becoming? Did we make the difference we came here to make? Did we pursue our dreams when all around us thought we were chasing illusions? Only those who dare to rise are able to lift themselves above horizons. Only those bold enough to chase dreams are the ones who catch them. WrestleMania, the showcase of the immortals, Live March 30th on Pay-Per-View. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I am joined by my good buddy, Tax Williams, but remotely because of, you know, COVID. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Another another week in um, in my kitchen, which is it's all good. And unfortunately, it's still in the same kitchen uh, I've been in for a while, mainly because the people <laughs> who we're buying the house from, despite we pay oh, okay. them more money to break the chain and move into rental accommodation, have now decided to buy a house and potentially cock the whole thing up. Interesting. That's, uh, yeah, the housing market's just starting to get back up. I'm sure this is what everyone tunes into our wrestling podcast <laughs> for. But um, yeah, no, I noticed that some houses around us are starting to go up for sale again. Like Life is somehow returning to a semblance of normality even though 300 people a day are still dying from covid and the world is on fire so there we go well america's on fire at least yeah and i can tell you what else was on fire <laughs> safe Field on the 30th march 2003 for wrestlemania 17 is that okay i'm not sure it is <laughs> well seth rollins burnt it down so it's fine so, obviously, this is the third part of our Rock Austin trilogy, right? And we're doing WrestleMania 19. Um, WWE, WF, WrestleMania 19? Are they WWF still at this point? No, they were WWE at this stage. Oh, wow, okay. WWE, WrestleMania 19, or XIX. Uh, Dare to Dream. What a beautiful title. I mean, it's not Eurovision, is it? That They've yeah. used that tagline a few times. It's a very Eurovision-y... Have they actually used that Oh, yeah, oh, several they, times. Wow, okay, cool, awesome. I mean, it, be, before we get started on that, though, I, I, and again, in all seriousness, obviously, I joke about that, the house stuff and in the kitchen, but I know I've obviously said about being in the kitchen before doing my workout, this is the end of week number eight of my workout program, which, as I said, is combining the um, the efforts of uh, Beachbody and also Set Go Gym. And as of today, and I've still got a couple of days left on it, I'm over 20 pounds down on where I was eight weeks ago. Uh, through all, all of the training so if we do get to wrestle at any point this calendar year i am going to be cardio wise it's through the roof the physique's looking good and and again in all seriousness you know like like we've seen before that the help and guidance that i've had from from matt and amy at set go gym they've just launched their subscription service on the 1st of june so you can now sign up for that to have even more sort of access to their on-demand service the workouts are fantastic easy to follow flexible for people to go and, and genuinely i've done this in my kitchen for eight weeks and i've seen the results obviously you've got to put the effort in you've got to eat sensibly you've got to find the time to do the workouts but because it's this level of on-demand service i genuinely if you listen to this podcast and you want to get fit 
you can watch some of the the the, the like the free videos that Setgo Gym have on their YouTube, and it's really helped me just to give me that. 10 minutes, half an hour, just of me time to focus on doing something while the world's gone to shit, as you said. And I feel amazing for it. So if you're looking to start getting fit, you've got a bit too much like a Nutella paunch going on for sitting in lockdown for so long and just eating your way through things, give it a try. It's totally worth your time, totally worth your money. And as I said, try out some of the free workouts and you'll love it. That's it. I'm on the plus thing as well. And uh, obviously, I haven't been able to do it because medical shit that I told you about last week. That I don't think I put on the podcast, did I? No, no, you didn't. It's nothing serious. It's just my leg. It kind of sucks. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm looking forward to actually uh, being able to do it again at some point soon. It's going to be good. Yeah, it's a great, it's awesome. it's, it's a great layout. And, and I can tell you who certainly did do some of these workouts in 2003 when this didn't exist. Kurt You've Angle. You've got to stop this. You've got to Lad's stop got abs. <laughs> so bad. That was the worst one by miles. Jesus. No, normally I'm pretty Your good at these transitions. good. I was about to say. What well, was that? <laughs> it's probably because I haven't eaten anything for eight weeks. <laughs> oh my God. You took a single verb and we're just like, I can use this in a different way. <laughs> Look, mate, I dared to dream. I'm not a crack addict. Speaking of crack addicts. Oh, fucking hell. So... It's something I've thought about. Every time I've listened to the episode uh, part, part one and part two of this trilogy, we've done WrestleManias and we've not sung the WrestleMania song. But it's 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 a bit of a moot point because come to, you know, 15, 17, 19, it's not there. They've gone modern. Like they've got Limp Biscuit performing a one and done song <laughs> at WrestleMania. The tem- it's a theme the temptation just to it. interrupt you and be like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> WrestleMania because it's WrestleMania but like you know at least I've done it a little bit now I'm, I'm just every week I listen back to the podcast I was like god damn it we didn't sing the WrestleMania song absolutely <laughs> nailed it um, if yeah, you haven't listened to the first song sorry fun. I was gonna say if you haven't oh. listened to the first two parts of this trilogy, you can head back to our archive at worldofwrestlingpodcast.com. Check out the last two episodes to find out where we are in the current run of the Austin Rock trilogy. Um, and that's yeah, and again, make sure if you are on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, listen, subscribe. It will come into your inbox automatically on a Wednesday or a Thursday, whenever we get around to recording it, and it goes straight into your headphones. Yeah, it's a bit less regular um, because obviously the whole lockdown COVID stuff that's going on. But um, we're still getting out pretty much every week. I'm very proud that we've managed to do it, man. Yeah, we're doing a good job. And also, you know, it's not like you're not hideously busy anymore with your work with WrestleTalk and producing I mean, quality working, content for them. Working 100% remotely is a little tricky, but it's it's been good. It's been comfortable, at least. Let's put it that way. So, WrestleMania 19, Dare to Dream, the 30th of March, 2003. <laughs> I watched this on the network, obviously, but it was broadcast on pay-per-view live. I'm assuming you watched the network version too? I watched the network version, but I also watched this live in 2003. This is the last pay-per-view I watched in my, uh, whilst living with parents before I moved out and didn't have Sky TV for a period of time. Okay, interesting. Did you take a break from wrestling or did you find the pay-per-views other ways? 
Uh, I've just realised I got my dates wrong. <laughs> okay, Resume- no, no, Re- no But WrestleMania 19 was the last one I watched in my home. 20 was the last one I watched whilst living with parents. And then 21 was when I lived in my own place. But yeah, so it was... Um, i tell you what, as we get through in these notes, the card for this is cracking. It's fucking great. I'm going to straight away, like quickly, we're at Safeco Field, Seattle, Washington, USA, the first baseball stadium WrestleMania. Yep. Oh my God, it's fucking amazing. The attendance is 54,097 people. Uh, the commentary is uh, Jerry, Jerry Lawler, Jim Ross, then we've got Michael Cole and Taz as well. But Boo. Okay, so what were you just saying? Sorry, say it again. Oh, and also it grossed 2.76 million at the gate. Oh yeah, it didn't do too badly. Well. <laughs> 2003, Jesus Christ, they had money falling out their fucking pockets, didn't they? Yeah, like um, they do now. What were you saying again? Let me let me comment on what you were saying. Sorry, carry on. I, I've already forgotten completely what I was okay. talking about. <laughs> Don't worry. We were talking about WrestleMania or something. Sorry, I got sidetracked. I wanted to get those details out. Fuck, I shouldn't have. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Talking about how good this card is. Um, So, 19. Uh, Sorry, 15 was pretty bad. Okay. 17 yep. was really, really good. I'm going to go out on a limb now and say 19 is better. I love this card. I said last week that WrestleMania 17 is the best WrestleMania of all time. But I think as I'm now a more mature wrestling fan, this comes pretty close to knocking it off the throne from start to finish. The in-ring work excludes some of the storylines, but the in-ring work and the Miller Catfight Girls was great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay so um commentary tonight we've got jr and lawler okay fine no problem okay well i have a few problems with lawler but we'll get through to that tonight uh michael cole and taz so Boo. this is taz's first wrestlemania right yes if yeah not his second non-commentary or whatever oh in commentary at least because he obviously wrestled at 17 in that terrible tag match <laughs> <laughs> He was an integral but, part of that card, which makes it one of the best WrestleManias of all time. Yeah, completely. It's Taz that makes it the best. <laughs> so I would say Taz is all, is almost inaudible at times on this show. It's like it's just the guy with a very, very strong New Yorker accent shouting descriptive words and going, Ooh, occasionally. Cole is at one tone throughout the vast majority of these hours that he's on screen. Until he loses but, his voice. <laughs> yeah, which is just, I've never been happier when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. What did you think of these commentary teams tonight? Because we've got Raw and SmackDown now as well. We've got the brand split going on. I thought that it was a very brave decision to have Cole and Taz call the main event. Well, I know yeah, there the was, there was guys, you know, yeah, I understand. But I mean, still, I would have got Jim Ross call it. It would have been so much better. Yeah, you couldn't really go Triple H Booker T to close out Mania because we're still in the time period where you've got the big belt ends the show. Why did and you go to that match to end the show and not Austin Rock? Because it's for the belt. Oh, okay. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I think storylines should take precedent over belt, to be honest. But it's, yeah, I can see what you're saying. At this but, time, but, they probably should put one of the belts as the main. Before we carry on, I'm going to do something quite funny for the purpose of the pod. Get ready for the what's called as a household reaction. Wife, have you left your eggs on boiling for too long? (laughs) (laughs) 
I thought this was going to be about wrestling. <laughs> no, I just looked over in the kitchen and I thought I heard a bubbling pan and I thought my wife has been boiling eggs for 11 and a half minutes. <laughs> Plus also Ooh. before we, the time we pressed record. So they are going That's to be tasty good. eggs. Let's say those are going to be some dry eggs. <laughs> they are going in our daughter's lunchbox tomorrow. <laughs> ah, I should be right. <laughs> It's all right, test out stuff on kids, right? Like yeah, exactly. Sure, we'll send them back to school. It'll be fine. Don't worry, only 300 people are dying a day still. But anyway, so opening video package. <laughs> Classical music over this video package. We are long gone from the Attitude Era. Voiceovers from all these wrestlers describing... Well, the, the guy who's doing the, the uh, interviews for these voiceover bits has blatantly just gone, what does WrestleMania mean to you? And then they've just said their bits and they've just got it together. It's, it's not bad. But it's not. It's not great. WrestleMania 17 levels, is it? Though the opening yeah. with Freddie Blassie from what we covered on last week's episode. But the this opening package is completely eclipsed by when you get the Hogan McMahon um, package later on in the show. I'd agree with that. Yeah, that's very well put together. But I'm also very disappointed. None of the wrestlers go. Think of the bloody payday. What do you love most about Mania? Payday and the party. What do you mean in regards to... Well, because the whole idea is what does WrestleMania mean to you? It means oh. I get to pay my bills. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely. It, 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 it does the job, let's put it that way. Uh, I, they cut into the arena and the crowd are going absolutely fucking mental as you might expect for WrestleMania in 2003. Um, my first thought looking at the set was the stadium is gorgeous. I've edited a whole bunch of photos from this show. It always comes up on list videos and things for WrestleTalk. So I, I know this stadium... And they're set up inside out, back to front. Um, I always see it and go, oh, that's a lot of scaffolding. Yeah, but I don't think it takes away. I think how they had it laid out, even with the slightly skew with entrance ramp mm-hmm. down into a, a like a 45 degree angle to go elsewhere down to it's the, the ring. Dog's leg halfway through. Yeah. yeah. That's basically someone drew out the plans incorrectly. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> they just like dropped the ruler halfway through or something. Like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> no one will ever know. <laughs> but like, it's because like when they have uh, like the Royal Rumble from this year, for example, where Edge came back and everything. And they have that little set because they've got a huge bank of seats behind where the stage would potentially be. So you would be cutting off what? five to ten thousand people that you can sell tickets to if you put a stage there so you can understand why they've got the little set yeah but i really like the way they compromised a bit and they had this kind of how do you describe it? it's like a giant up downs upside down isosceles kind of diamond shape you know so it's long at the bottom and high at the top and it's got those three kind of um sails that come down it yeah it's WrestleMania on it the staging for this, you know, like we said about the gold and the simplicity of 17 and how drab 15 looked. But yeah. this with the stadium, the baseball stadium layout, it was beautiful. It's This, I think, really set the tone for future WrestleManias. Absolutely. And we get the classic WrestleMania, like the WWE blue ring cameras with the black ropes. It looks really professional now. It looks less gritty and punk rock or whatever <laughs> sorry <laughs> you mean punk rock is just a hilarious notion but you know what i mean the attitude era stuff is it's gone now it's not red and black it's kind of like blue and golden and black everywhere you know it's 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 the entertainment value they're they're paying now they've they're paying a lot more attention to the presentation for the just for the as you said the snapshots and the stills that you have if people using for promotional material whereas before they were very gritty this is attitude this is where we want it to be 
now they're very much like we need a slick professional looking product which will appeal to advertisers like snickers being like the big boys uh, as the main sponsors of this show absolutely yeah. but going from that wrestlemania 15 of what was it like seventeen thousand people or something in that dingy quite well quite dingy arena you know so six years later we're in a fucking baseball stadium and everything looks like money it's it's a huge change from this whole rock austin feud it's it's where wrestling really developed the most i would say and certainly made them a, a more profitable company so you still had the name value of austin and rock to keep those stragglers from the attitude era but then you had the new fans who were coming in as they were targeting a more commercial audience they were trying to be a li- this was again the time they were tv pg and they switched over so mm. gone with the hardcore bits you still had some of the straggly bits with the ladies as we'll get to as we progress through the card today but it was it was a, cer- a definite change and i think even the prior year at 18 that you could see the progression to a professional slick entertainment brand and entertainment experience rather than a wrestling show definitely man so much like wrestlemania 17 we have a limp biscuit song as our theme tune my way this is not <laughs> i mean vince mcmahon love uh, he definitely what's a crack addict <laughs> Yeah, it's odd. WWE's kind of PG era starting around now and they're like, what's the theme tune going to be? We'll have a song about being addicted to crack. <laughs> I know it's not actually about that. It's just the title of the song. It's about cracking skulls or whatever as Fred does his cool breakdown in the middle. Ah, but here we go again. <laughs> it, it's not the greatest song in the world. I think it's the politest way I can put it. Well, I think I saw I alluded to it earlier. This was the first and last time Limp Biscuit ever played this song live. <laughs> Don't blow your load yet. We'll get to that in a minute. So JR welcomes us to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this JR pauses for the snaffle in the song because he's the best professional in the world is WrestleMania. Welcome to WrestleMania 19. Just to emphasize the point, you know, God fucking damn it, JR is the best. Uh, he finishes by going, Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler representing Raw. And King, I'll tell you, this is my 10th WrestleMania and I'm just excited today as I was in 1993. Because I'm not wearing a fucking toga. <laughs> <laughs> For that little bit where JR starts to talk, stops the snare fill and then carries on. You're like, oh, you are good. JR's a crack addict. Man, like, I'd say JR is. So's Lawler. <laughs> God, Lawler's performance in this show is pretty Standard. cringeworthy at times. It's so. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Awful. Pervert- perverted? Sleazy. Slimy. Yeah. He was a slippery toad during this uh, mania. Absolutely. So Cole cuts Cole and Taz, and Taz uses the words wicked hum. <laughs> fucking hell. I can't barely say it. Taz uses the words wicked humongous to describe WrestleMania. Hang on, Hugh Morris wasn't on the card. <laughs> Fuck. Who's that jumping off the boat? ROY. Viva <laughs> 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 Lanaza. Roy Mysterio <laughs> jumps into the ring. For our opening match, the WWE Cruiserweight title match of version one, Matt Hardy with Shannon Moore, who's our current champion, versus Rey Mysterio. What an opener. Holy shit, this was great. 
I really enjoyed this version of Matt Hardy, especially where he was doing his like own dot com thing with all the the web links during his entrance. Facts. The Matt facts. That was what, sorry. That's what I'm looking for. That's all right. We did it for a raid. Oh well, I can spoil this now for anyone that cares. We just did a raid Shadow Legends advert for Russell Talk, and we did the Matt Hardy facts with the screen and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. It's really good. Look forward to that on one of the newses at some point. But anyway, go on. Sorry. I was going to say just some of the facts like. Matt Hardy is not a fan of avocado. <laughs> Things like that coming up. <laughs> Super silly shit. It's great. So Rey Mysterio is in his full daredevil gear for this WrestleMania. And he looks so great, man. He hasn't got a chin strap on his mask, which gets a bit worrying at times because it half kind of pops off, you know? Yeah. I, I, some of Rey Mysterio's WrestleMania outfits are quite good, like this daredevil one. Then That's there right. are some years, the Joker, where it's shit. Yeah, it's, a little, it's just you've got to experiment. It's WrestleMania, you know, you go for the big stuff. Sometimes it doesn't quite pay off, but... Hang on, I, you've got I've, to experience off the grandest stage of them all. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, that's a, that's a great joke, isn't it, Dex? I love it when you say that. <laughs> I do it purely to upset you. <laughs> I know. So, uh, yeah, Daredevil Ray looks awesome in the dark red. Uh, V1. I can barely understand what Taz is saying for the most of this match. He's talking incredibly fast and just shouting the whole time. There's a there's a literally a whole section of this commentary where it's completely asinine. They're talking about tea bagging, banana juice, first day with his new tongue because he can't get the words out. You're just like, what are they going on about? Can we just get JR back out, please? Like, please stop this. You um, wonder why that people thought this time, and th- and this was around the time that Heyman was in charge of SmackDown as well. And you can imagine oh, he just okay. wanted a proper run because this is when we had the SmackDown Six. Mm. really coming to prominence very good times um Shannon Moore at ringside was a useful as the little um the MFer (laughs) yeah he's alright I mean he's never done much for me to be honest but he's okay here he gets involved in the match a bit doesn't he I've got a lot less notes about the matches by the way because I feel like everyone's seen these cards so i should stop just describing them i think even last week i was still doing too much describing but there is a couple of awesome spots there's a second rope razor's head reversing to a rana by ray i'm like ray in 2003 still doing this stuff fucking awesome he's always let's be honest from a from a north american promotion the he's always been the best high flyer that a wwe wcw have had Mm, consistently consistently he's one of the very best it's a shame those kind of knee and back injuries uh definitely reduced his moveset over the years yeah but if you do get thrown as a dart into the side of a cabin by scott hall and kevin nash you're gonna have your career screwed anyway (laughs) sure man so 619 west coat pop misses brett owen victory roll but matt grabs the ropes and sits down onto ray for the one two three Really clever finish here. And still Cruiserweight champion Matt Hardy. Um, Again, it was a great fun match. Um, Honestly, I think it was a better match than Regal Jericho as an opener. Super fun, fast-paced, silly, clever finish. I can't ask for more. It It had all the shenanigans that you wanted to get the crowd hot. It kept Matt Hardy strong. It gave Ray the reason to not look weak as well. Yep. See, this is how you book people to. So you don't have to have fifty-fifty booking. You just have to have smart finishes like this. And I, the thing I remember most about this this match was the fun story leading up to it of everyone going, "Hang on, Matt Hardy 
he's not making weight for cruiserweight because at the time <laughs> I think it was did they say in commentary it's two two five the, the the weight for cruiserweight? I believe so. Yeah, it's like well Matt Hardy's not two two five, <laughs> and but I I liked all the little training vignettes and so like, and Shannon Moore the little mf'er sat at some ringside coaching him and even Shannon Moore had, as you <laughs> said had a had a good role to play but Shannon Moore's best days were as the Dark Prince of Punk in TNA. <laughs> best is an interesting word isn't it so some <laughs> prostitutes turn up in a limo and run down the card and i'm like this is all lies women like this do not care about professional wrestling <laughs> no they care about light beer <laughs> i'm obviously kidding don't worry it's all good so uh, i hate michael cole so much is the only note i have here because he's so annoying he's using no different tone of voice he's just going blah 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 it's like does he does he know what Tombra is? Does he do it more nowadays? Like I don't watch shows that he's on. I'm does more he... disappointed that you didn't go with the dialogue of the Miller Light Catfight girls arguing about who who was going to win the match, which would because um, they argue about which match was bigger. They're like Hogan McMahon, Austin Rock, and it's like God, these people, as you said, just don't give a shit. Yep. And neither do anyone about my comment I just made there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, don't worry. Uh, As I said, I've got a few less things noted down. So if you do want to throw stuff in, please just say, man. It's all good. So um, something about Nathan Jones, big show guys beat him up or something. Fucking hell, who cares, mate? Nunzio Nunzio came out for the full-blooded Italians and took out the Colossus of Boggo Road. (laughs) (sighs) Uh, Nathan Jones. (laughs) You know what time it is. Down, 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 down. Oh, it's so good. Limp Biscuit live. Playing rolling. It's fucking hilarious, man. Two, two <laughs> things to note already here. I'm thinking, first of all, I like the fact that Limp Biscuit still have this in their contract that they're still the W's favorite band in the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> and who the hell did The Undertaker piss off to have to be like the second match on at Mania? It's so weird, isn't it? So um, it's time to keep rolling, baby. Well, it would be if we could hold on to our guitarists, but Wes realised how much of a cunt Fred was, so we have to get this 12-year-old kid and head from corn to fill in. No, hey, uh, leave, leave Mike Smith from snot out of this. <laughs> Mate, it's so... I hate this kid. He's just not Wes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, I, let, let's be honest. No one came out of any good light out of this. You know, Obviously, Wes went off and did Big Dumb Face. <laughs> and Mike Smith recorded weird, with Limp Biscuit, and they yeah. basically booted him out because he wasn't family per Fred Durst in his little interview. But it's nice I, to see. I head. wonder how I wonder how many people actually give a shit about this that understand what we're talking about. With their fans, of, they're fans of a podcast, therefore they're fans of WWE at some point, which means they must be fans of Limp Biscuit. They're the WWE's <laughs> favorite band in the whole world. I love the logic. So I mean, you can see why Wes left. They've got a dance routine, like, ooh, much metal. And backup dancers, like, ooh, much metal. <laughs> much money. Oh, it's so weird. So Fred swears, but the network muted it. Uh, much metal, though. Very much metal. Sam Rivers, um, best bass player in the world. <laughs> I mean, it's a terrible song by a band that at the edge of falling apart. And it's like, they just don't give a shit either. <laughs> like, they're there, but they're not really there, you know? Taking the money and obviously <laughs> playing. Because The Undertaker's... L- watching the awkward interaction between Fred Durst and The Undertaker was my favourite part of this match. 
I mean, they move in, they move out, they hands up, they hands down. <laughs> Undertaker said, back up, back up, social distancing, motherfucker. <laughs> so it's Biker Taker and his rolling, rolling, rolling pyro. It's kind of cool where the pyro goes off in time with the rollins, you know? That's <laughs> Mike, weird. Mike Smith from Snot falls off the stage as he's bemused. He's got more than 12 <laughs> people in the crowd. He looks so uncomfortable. He's wearing like jock shit, but with like his little bowl cut going on because he's trying to grow his hair out. <laughs> like, what is this white kid doing on the stage? I said, at least Head still keeps on with Corn's endorsement deal with Puma that John Davis had for years. <laughs> oh my god, wasn't that um, Adidas? Wasn't it or Pony? No, I, I think it was. I think it was Puma that he had because obviously they had the song Adidas on uh, Life Is Peachy. I think it was Pony, dude. He was it Pony? Oh pony no. Shirts. Anyway, let's move on from our terrible nostalgia of new metal. <laughs> um, but it's, it's 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 great. It's like this giant nostalgia trip of silliness with Biker Taker and Fred Durst and everything else happening. It's great fun, you know. And then it all happens to ruin where Lord Tensai arrives. <laughs> <laughs> so our next match is a two-on-one handicap match of the A-Train, as he's known at this time, or Albert, Lord Tensai, whatever, and the Big Show versus The Undertaker. So there's a moment where Taker makes his entrance and he gets into the ring and he's done all his bits. And I, I couldn't help but think someone left the band on loop because they were just playing the outro over and over and over again. There's somebody obviously went through the headside. Shut the fuck up, guys. We've got our show to do. Uh, at this stage, uh, before we go into this match, who's played the the wrestler to the ring better in this trilogy? Has it been Limp Biscuit or has it been Motorhead? Uh, I would say Motorhead because Lemmy's performance is the funniest thing in existence of WrestleMania 17. <laughs> you know, it's all about the game and how you game it. It's all about the game and game, game, game it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love Limp Biscuit. They're stupid. They're fucking dumb, whatever. But I love them. Uh, this version of Limp Biscuit is not Limp Biscuit though. It's it's like a cover band almost. They did it all for the nookie. Come on. Yeah. That anyway. was so good though, like 96, 97, fuck yeah man. Significant anyway, album um, was a great album, but yeah, let's move on. <laughs> so Undertaker just did a leapfrog over Albert and I'm like, holy shit, Taker looks amazing in this match. Like he's bumping his ass off. It, it's, I compared this in my head to, you know how Sean wrestles when he's wrestling Undertaker? Yeah, he, 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 tra- he goes for the massive sell, doesn't he? Yeah, it's like Taker's doing that for Big Show. Because this is because they tried to have Taker take a big show under his wing when he was exiting the ministry in the Attitude Era when they had uh, the motorbikes, the motorbike journey, the big show and the Undertaker had together when they were a mini tag team for all. Do you remember this? Oh, the speech. I took the big show and I went into the valley and I left him there for three days to find his <laughs> It's the greatest speech of all time. He turned heel 23 times in those three days. <laughs> it's terrible, but great, you know, because it's so terrible. Oh, crikey. So, yeah, he's trying to get Albert and Big Show over because he knows that Undertaker needs monster heels to work against. Yeah. And also, you know, he has been training. We've seen the vignettes. He's been training Nathan Jones. <laughs> <laughs> the Colossus of Boggo Road. That ex-prisoner who's a face. A weird gimmick. I, I mean, you can understand it because he's, um, he looks like a superhero. He's gigantic and he's insanely hench, you know. 
but he just can't work for shit, that guy, can he? Ever Again, WWE creative re- recycling storylines. Look at these guys who've been in prison. Nathan Jones, Booker T. Outrageous. Oh, we'll get to that. So, Taker selling and bumping like a boss. Uh, show talks too much. She goes, you're right, <laughs> to Taker a few times. Um, there's a moment, 25, in, 25 minutes into this show, where I swear I can hear a steam train. Yeah, that's the A train. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes aside, there's literally like this very loud. Did you hear it? No. It <laughs> no. I swear this happens at least two or three times during this show. I wondered whether there was something about the stadium. Because you know these American baseball and football stadiums have these gimmicks where like, you know, the Tony Khan one has the pool, for yeah. example. And the, the the one at WrestleMania is meant to have the big pirate ship at the end and such. But, nah, who knows? But yeah, I swear I can hear a steam train randomly going off during this show. Uh, yeah, keep an ear out. If you, if listeners, if you listen to, if you watch this show 25 minutes in, just tell me what you think. See if there is an actual steam train or whether I have officially gone mental. <laughs> I'm going to go back and watch this on my paid version of the WWE Network, not the free version. Mm. Indeed. We were kind of meant to talk about that a little bit. What do you think about the idea of a free network? I think it's fantastic for advertisers, as long as it doesn't mean I'll get adverts on my paid-for subscription. I think it's a really good business model. I think it's a good way to try and prompt people just to sign up. They sign up for free, so WWE have all of their marketing details, because you, can you imagine they get another like half million sign-ups, what sure. they'll be able to do with that list for marketing, etc. You know, yeah. Having that mailing list is still quite powerful in, in any form of advertising. And then they can also say to their sponsors, oh, well, now we've got 3.2 million subscribers to our network across all paywalls and free versions, etc. Yeah. So then someone like Snickers or GoDaddy would sponsor it. Yeah, sure. Hopefully not GoDaddy. The guy who owns that is a fucking scumbag. But anyway. Um, and, I mean, and you're saying Vince McMahon <laughs> with his Hall of Famer friend isn't? I mean, well, Vince McMahon doesn't go and kill, you know, big game animals for fun and post them on the internet because, you know. He's not that much of a twat, I guess. He killed Rey Mysterio and Ali Black off the top of a tower. <laughs> it's a story. It's not real. Anyway, so there's uh, this moment where Undertaker does this swinging DDT. I think it was to Albert. And there's a metal kid in the crowd that as soon as it happens, stands up, throws up the horn and starts headbanging like ridiculously. <laughs> <laughs> he loved that swinging DDT. It's such a great moment. Keep an eye out for him. He's like sitting about fourth or fifth row back. He's so funny, this kid. Um, Taker fires up like a cruiserweight baby face. Chokeslam by show. Nathan Jones runs out after the kicking he took earlier. Nathan Jones does some kicking stuff. Tombstone by Taker. Albert's head blatantly goes fully into the mat on that tombstone. He was very, very low for the one, two, three. And your winner is The Undertaker and I guess Nathan Jones as well. Uh, I see the official n- matches that The Undertaker won it, which means technically she had been disqualified again at WrestleMania because, you know, outside interference. Fair point. Yeah, can he do that, Joey? Hmm. You know, if you look back it. at Taker Streak, Nathan- she'd been disqualified a number of times. But Nathan but- Jones was in the tag match and only didn't turn up because he was beaten up. They never officially went, oh, this is going to be a handicap match, right? Or did they? They did because he was unable to uh, He was unable to attend and all the results show it is a one-on-two handicap match, Undertaker versus um, Showbert. <laughs> do you know how badly my little kind of weird OCD thing I had kicked in when you said one on two. It's two on one, dude. 
No, because the Undertaker oh. was clearly the dominant force. So here we had the advantage, dude. one on two. <laughs> I think I have a real problem with things like that. In the two on one match, on Undertaker order, was victorious. Like... He out he outlasted the odds. <sighs> like this whole sense of relief just came over my body when you went two on one. I was like, I had oh, to do it. Better. I had to do it to so save you. <laughs> Thank you, man. This is what podcasting's for, right? Admitting that you've got problems anyway. So. <laughs> genuinely aside from the dumb finish i don't think it was that bad of a match to be honest um feels like taker was trying to make a point like why am i not in the main event yeah why am i working with these big lads but i still think it was the case of they need to get nathan jones ready for this tag match they realized nathan jones wasn't going to be up for it and couldn't risk him at mania i mean that is the kind of the known story as such isn't it directly after this that nathan jones is like going on holiday back home and just never came back better than that they were going for the wwe tour down under oh, so he the made one. them pay for his flight to go on the tour and just never went home <laughs> went back to the <laughs> states just went home <laughs> great stuff uh what did you think of this match it was nice to see albert have a prominent role before he disappeared off to be uh so was it giant bernard in new japan yeah had a really good run with um tyson tomko as a tag yeah and then came back to WWE as Lord Tensai. Everyone crapped all over the gimmick, called him Albert, and then he turned into Sweet Tea. Yeah, now he runs NXT, from what I understand. He does, which, if, if you're um, Matt Bloom, and then Triple H says, just so you know, Matt, um, Shawn Michaels is going to start coming in and coaching. You're still in charge, but um, Shawn Michaels <laughs> is going to be here. <laughs> Shit. The, 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 yeah, I see what you're saying. Um all right, let's move on. So, hey, the prostitutes are back. <laughs> they Which ones? <laughs> the ones from earlier. The Miller Light. What are they called? The Catfight Girls or the something? The Miller Light Catfight Girls. But, oh, uh. who would have thought it? As we're planting the seeds as the evening goes on, they run into Stacey Keeber and Tori Wilson. Oh, yeah. no. What could possibly be in set foot here? I mean, they immediately mentioned testicles and marketing campaigns. I'm like, this is not for me. <laughs> they also mentioned Tori's uh, magazine spread. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, careful now. Um, so <laughs> have you seen uh, Extras by Ricky Gervais? <laughs> no, I thought you were going to say, have you seen the Extras from Tori Wilson's Playboy? <laughs> I mean, would, but yeah. Have uh, I have seen, seen some Extras by Ricky Gervais, yes. There's an episode with Les Dennis that's like a pantomime episode. Have you seen that? Yes. You know, there's the very camp director who like goes, ooh, I'm going to get me a whole bunch of cock tonight. Yumma, yumma, yumma. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I was watching this going, ooh, yumma, yumma, yumma. (laughs) Just because I found it so funny. All these middle-like catfight girls getting their cocks out. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been so funny if like, you know, Tori Wilson delivers her line, turns to the camera and goes, ooh, gonna get a bunch of cocks tonight. Yumma, yumma, yumma. <laughs> Would have made it so much better. The irony behind it, she probably did. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, back with JR and King. Lola lets out his full pedophile while chatting about these women that were just backstage. He says, Tori and Stacy, I think they're, oh, sorry. I think they are on their way out here. And then little Richard, sort of thing. He goes, it's rated PG. Puppies are good. And I'm like, this pedo can't even do acronyms. (laughs) What's wrong with him? (laughs) At least these ladies are of age. Yeah, fucking A. So, um... JR tells the American troops to kick their ass, then come home. I think uh, 
That was in regards to Afghanistan, was it? Yeah. Or Iraq, maybe? No, it was Afghanistan because they were still fighting the Taliban at this stage. I think JR has lost the meaning of peacekeeping mission. <laughs> we, weren't there there to ke- come home. <laughs> we weren't there to keep peace. We were there to find an excuse for bombing them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know it's not bombs, but Jesus Christ, it rings true about what's happening this week. Fucking hell. Let's so, move on. Highlights from Sunday Night Heat. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Silvery Trish Stratus. Wow. Rock and roll. Oh, my Lord. Uh, And also Victoria's really bad version of Tattoo with the lyrics removed. Mate. So the match is for the WF Women's Championship match. It's a triple threat. It's uh, the championship. Sorry. It is a triple threat with Victoria with Stephen Richards, who's... (laughs) Let's talk about Stevie in a minute. Victoria is our current champion versus Jazz versus oh Trish Stratus and Silver. Um, but yeah, so your uh, the, the note I put here is Tax's favorite music has been dubbed for Victoria's entrance, but it's just terrible because they use tattoos. Other things are sad. Other things are sad. But it's like this horrible ripoff version. And it's not the last time tonight. They do well, a terrible job with dubbing. Well, they did actually... Th- you say this was dubbing. This was actually the version for live. Was it really? So they used Tattoo originally um, when during the... You know, back in 2003, tail end of 2002, 2003. And then they stopped using the rights. And then they actually started using this version in, in real time. So this wasn't dubbed over. I had a feeling they used the proper one just for WrestleMania. It was at least, it was before it because they spent a lot of time on Sunday Night Heat because then Stevie Richards started using the tattoo version when he it was when it was Stevie Night Heat, right? Before Heat was essentially started to be really really wound down. But either way, I was disappointed. God, you've got memory for weird things, man. <laughs> Do you remember any of that? They're Russian lesbians. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> not, not tattoo. I'm talking about the storylines. Oh, sorry. And also, tattoo uh, also appeared at Eurovision. <laughs> so you know, dare to dream. Yeah, didn't they win it? No, Lordy won it, but the 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 Russian oh, the lesbians didn't. Was it the same year? I don't think so. Hard rock, hallelujah. Oh yes, Lordy. I can probably name most Eurovision winners. That's sad, isn't it? No, it's not. It's the greatest thing ever. I was heartbroken that Eurovision wasn't on this year. It's it's the one time I heavily drink every year. It's it's just great fun. There's so much to drink about. It's great. Do so, not get me started in Australia being part of a Eurovision Sun Contest, though. <laughs> I mean, that sounded pretty Brexity, but let's carry on. <laughs> so Trish in her everything I do in the ring means I end up backwards, you know, spot or bending yep. backwards, I should say. It's 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 very sensual, everything that happens well to done, her. Well done, Kevin Dunn, on that production yeah. side of things. Kevin Dunn's on it in this match. Yeah, it's the cameramen are very close, <laughs> let's put it that way, <laughs> for most of the match. Um, bit of a late kick-out interference botch halfway through. The match is generally pretty sloppy. And when I say sloppy, I mean so sloppy. <laughs> uh, malfunction at the junction. Brett Owen victory roll for the second time tonight, but thankfully it only gets a two. They really shouldn't be doing this spot considering Matt and um, Ray did it for their finish. Yeah. But the finish comes when Jazz over the top, she slips off the apron down to the floor. 
Looks really awkward. Smashes her face, doesn't she? Yeah. Does oh, into Stevie. Sorry, yeah. Mm. Victoria goes for the widow's peak to Trish. Victoria runs the ropes after getting pushed out of the move. One kick by Trish for the one, two, three. And new women's champion, Trish Stratus. It's a shame because Victoria and Jazz at this stage were both very good workers and Trish was coming into her own in 2003. It could have been good. I don't know if this match was a little bit clumsy because Jazz had been out injured for a while, but it was nice to have a decent women's match of actually, you know, talented women going for the belt at Mania. I said, there's nothing, there's nothing to shout at home. It was very clumsy, relatively Mm. sensible finish. I mean, it seems pretty obvious to me that looking at these three people and especially this time period, Victoria is meant to be a heel, right? Yeah. Stevie and everything. Jazz is coming back. And so is, should be a heel, but isn't really acting like one. And Trish should be your super baby face, obviously. And so you have the two two experienced veterans, the bad, bad people, you know, throw Trish out of the ring. They beat, beat each other up. They beat down Trish. Rinse, repeat until Trish gets the fluke victory. But it's just not that at all. It's super sloppy. Nothing seems to have purpose or meaning. It's just people wrestling. It's a, sh- it's a shame. But yep. considering what level of in-ring action you had in 2003... It was the best match they probably had in the entire calendar year from the okay. women's division, I'd say. I mean, Divas. Yeah. Wasn't a great time period, was it? Thank God it's changed. Well, this was still the women's championship this time. This wasn't a Divas title. This was moving no, into no. the Divas period, wasn't it? But it feels very divery this match. I know Jazz and Victoria are in there who are insanely good wrestlers, but they're not. They haven't got the story. They haven't got the back and the attention that it deserves, you know? No, I've you know looking online at sort of the general feedbacks. Obviously, like we said, seventeen seems to be, and still is in my view for nostalgia, that one of if not the best WrestleManias of all time. But a lot of the consensus, which I disagree with online, is like, oh, they should have switched this for the cruiser match. It's like, don't open with oh. the ladies match. No, no. no Do you not, not understand how to open a wrestling card? No, no, that'd be terrible. Like the the Ray Matt match is perfect. That opening spot, the crowd are yep. hype. They're ready to go. Just works. So Jonathan Coachman backstage interviewing The Rock. He's pretty good. This guy, isn't he? I think he's got a future. This yeah. this what Rock chap could could be potentially <laughs> quite special. So heel Rock, bitter Rock. He finishes by going the last chapter of this great, the greatest rivalry in the industry has ever seen, and he's not joking. No. Him and Rock is... Him and Austin, sorry. Fuck, it's good. From, from the four years to get from 15 to 19, the fact that they managed to keep every time they got together in the ring interesting, with purpose, no one was fed up of it. It's not like Cena and Orton where everyone's like, oh, for God's sake, not another Cena or Orton match. Because they did it so infrequently, but when they did it, it meant something. It could always pick up, and that's why we chose to do this trilogy, because there's that all-time animosity, even going back from between the 17 and 19, which we'll cover in the main event, obviously, how The Rock was in the ring. was like, so Austin, you take your ball and go home. Like, we'll still be here working our, our butts off for the fans. You can take your ball and go home. And it's just it just got that over. But with Rock in full dick heel mode, <laughs> there's no one better. Yeah, this is the return rock with the shave head and the new tattoo and the, like the leather jacket and trousers and stuff where he does the rock concert that kind of gets interfered with the whole Shane Helms rivalry and everything. It's, it's so much fun, man. This rock 
is genuinely very funny. Good laughs. Yeah. I, I never got over as a heel for me. It's too good. The problem of a good promo. If you're yeah. too good at being a dick heel, people start to enjoy your work and find it funny, and that's when you turn face yeah. and that sure and will. therein lies the problem for the rock unfortunately he's always been a very good heel in the early days with the corporation but when he was this level of heel and such a dick it was very difficult to have general animosity towards him because you found what he did was funny yeah absolutely so next up is our wwe tag team title a triple threat match that is a lot of t's in that sentence team angle of Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin who are current champions versus Chris Benoit and Rhino weird tag team versus Viva La Raza we lie we cheat we steal Los Guerreros of Chavo you mean, Guerrero so we lie we cheat we steal which is also the title of Chavo, Chavo Guerrero's wrestling career book <laughs> <laughs> of Eddie Guerrero and Javito is also here as well so um, yay just watching this and watching these entrances in this huge arena in this weird kind of dead slot on the card Eddie and Chris Benoit one year from now fucking magic it's and Rhino's there too <laughs> no, but seriously go on stick with me here like they're in this horrible dead slot and it takes one year for them to be headlining those Wrestlemania matches at Wrestlemania 20 and Let's face it, if, if I know the whole Benoit thing is weird, but goddamn WrestleMania 20, that main event moment when they're hugging with the confetti and everything, I've never cried more about wrestling in my life for positivity anyways. It's a real shame that such a feel-good moment in professional wrestling will never see the light of day ever again. Yeah, it's an odd one, isn't it? So, this is very much the get everyone else on the WrestleMania card match. Uh, five of the best wrestlers in the world and Chavo Guerrero. Yes. <laughs> There's this beautiful moment where Eddie backs into the corner of Team Angle and he goes, tag in to I think it's Charlie Haas. And then Charlie doesn't. So Eddie breaks K-Fate massively, even though the camera's right there and just turns around and goes, fucking tag in. <laughs> like so <laughs> loudly. He doesn't swear because Eddie Guerrero is a good boy. Well, was a good boy. But he just shouts tag in so loudly. So funny, man. I love that he doesn't give a shit sometimes, Eddie. I think that's why I love him so much. That's the start of the Eddie Guerrero push, though. You could tell there's frustration. He's enjoying working with Chavo at this time mm. to be able to be, and he's starting to get over with the tag team. He's he's. You can tell that Eddie is the driving force on this, and obviously, you know, let's let's give credit where credit's due. Chavo is also there, probably throwing in the there. odd idea. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. Um, I loved Los Guerreros. I think this gimmick was hilarious. Them lying and cheating all the vignettes and stuff. It was so much fun. Even the entrance video. <laughs> Where yeah. the little cartoon heads popping up in the low rider. Mm-hmm. And the little car animations where they kind of go side to side. It's just genius, man. It's really fun. Team so, Angle were good though, weren't they? Um, yeah, man, absolutely. I'd say in terms of like how this has worked for the slot they have and everything else, it's great, man. Like, I think Shelton Benjamin specifically was so underrated. It's very much a racial profiling thing, I feel. His, his Shelton Benjamin's problem other than people's issue with him not being able to cut a promo, is that he would have been an excellent singles star had Charlie and his brother been able to be pushed up as a tag team before Russ Hass died. 
Yeah, sure. Had, had the Haas brothers been able to be a tag team, they would have found something incredible for Shelton to do as a single star to start with. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've really enjoyed the team angle dynamic with the three of them because they are just pure athletes. And then to go into referring to themselves as the world's greatest tag team, instant heat. I, I like, mm. I enjoyed their work, but Shelton Benjamin was the star of that team, and had he been given a mouthpiece or even aligned with a little faction with Lesnar. From the was it Minnesota Wrecking Crew or whatever they were called in OVW? How bloody dare you! I don't know if they used that name, but how dare they use that name if they did? You know who their names belongs to, right? No, our oh, boys. But okay, that's all right. Don't worry. I'm just gonna move on. So, <laughs> you know, my favorite tag team full time. Look, it's all oh, it's all fine for you if you really like three count me. I just don't have a historic knowledge of them. <laughs> oh no, it might be the Minnesota Stretching Crew, actually. The old, oh, why am I uh, seeing Booker T's music? Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's move on. So the dumbass ramblings continue on commentary. Now we have Cole and Taz back. Uh, I have three questions for you. Do you remember when, when commentators had nice sounding voices? Do you remember when commentators were witty and interesting? Do you remember well, commentators that don't constantly talk over each other? Hmm. I mean, I I enjoy the commentary work of AEW. <laughs> that's that's a good commentary trio. It's very funny. Their commentary is great, man. I used to hate Shavoni. He's hilarious for AEW. It's like the life of the party, man. He's great. Samoa Joe's really good in commentary. Yep. Yep. Everyone's got good commentary. Apart from, you know, SmackDown 2003. <laughs> Eddie talks too much. He goes, let's do the headbutt to Chris. And they double down on headbutt. <laughs> Eddie does the frog splash onto a pile of people. Uh, Eddie looks, uh, sorry, Benoit looks across, really concerned at Eddie. And Eddie audibly goes, motherfuckers, really loudly. Which is not like Eddie Guerrero. He's a good Christian boy. So It's uh, almost I think- like they're frustrated by their position on the card. And Maybe, who they're working man. with. I thought Eddie really injured himself at this point. I thought maybe this was the moment where he did the frog splash and injured his arm. But I remember that was years ago, wasn't it? That was when the Radicals debuted. That was the first SmackDown. He did the frog splash on one of the New Age Outlaws and completely busted his arm, didn't he? Yeah, absolute travesty. But uh, I felt worried for Eddie here. He did not look comfortable at times, you know. Uh, Rhino gores Chavito, rightfully so. Shelton slides in to pin Chavo after Charlie Haas drags out Rhino. For the one, two, three, and the winners and still tag team champions, because this match means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. Team Angle, it's it's is what it is. I enjoyed it though. I I think for a triple threat tag, you're always going to struggle to get a decent match out of it. And we had decent spots throughout. A couple of funny Eddie Guerrero moments, which are definitely unintentional, but I enjoyed them. Should have given them a gimmick. Like a ladder, tables, something, hardcore, anything. This match would have been a lot more fun had they done like some sort of ladder match or something. I, I, I enjoyed card, it for what it was. I think this card needed a gimmick match somewhere. That's what it's missing. Miller like catfight girls. <laughs> well, give them a cage, you know what I mean? Do a triple threat tag team thing in a cage. That's that's going to look good on a poster. I thought you were <laughs> suggesting give the Miller girls a cage. Oh, that would be <laughs> hilarious, but maybe... Uh, hmm, wrong <laughs> we're talking so, like TNA dancer cage maybe <laughs> more prostitutes backstage with Tori and Stacey I'm not counting them because they did some stuff in the 
future after this. Um, <sighs> they do the whole Hogan McMahon. Hogan's going to be the best. Vince McMahon's the best. I don't care. Um, prostitutes arguing about wrestling. They're One's a, a racist. In the ring. One supports a racist. <laughs> Wait, what? That When they were talking about Hogan and McMahon. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you meant Tori and Stacey, and you kind of did, but not really. <laughs> oh, no, no. Stacey Keeper's definitely not a racist. Tori Wilson, on the other hand. <laughs> Jesus, can you imagine? Allegedly. So they're going to have a cat fight in the ring. Uh, no, it's not going to be in the ring. It's going to be in a bed. And I'm like, what? But like, this gets blown off <laughs> later. Some of the boys certainly did. Zing. <laughs> King blows his load on commentary over this. Uh, my one note here says he looks like a greasy Gary Glitter. <laughs> what a description i mean he does he looks horrible here it looks creepy um so hey it's chris jericho's and Shawn michaels let's fucking go i had um, low expectations for this match based yeah. on the quality of performance terrible both of them aren't they fucking Hot, awful. rubbish storyline going into it <laughs> terrible athletes no history Never gets between them up. no nothing ever good happens to these two ever again you know yeah, did it didn't lead to years later Jericho punching Shawn Michaels' oh, wife in the face. It, it's terrible, but the best feud ever. That thing, I loved it. It was so good. The Vince went fuck it, give him the belt. <laughs> that thing, it didn't need the belt. That's the thing. No, but didn't it make it just that little bit extra special? Knowing the Vince man's going, this is the greatest thing I've ever had. It has to have the belt involved. It's Shawn Michaels. I think you missed the opportunity there and said, this is good shit. <laughs> well, that too, yeah. So, insanely cool video package comparing these two lads and how Jericho is trying to replace Shawn Michaels in that role. Um, HBK comes to Stacy's aid when Jericho is putting Stacy in the walls of Jericho on Raw. Uh, so, Shawn Michaels is crusading good guy veteran against evil, manipulative woman beating Chris Jericho. It's... It's fucking great, man. This is pro wrestling through and through. Storytelling with the ability to back it up in the ring. It's had enough pomp and allure for the storytelling to actually be compelling, even though it's very soap opery how they got there. It, it's great. Yeah, genuinely. Um, so I remember this being the match that is my probably one of my favorite matches at any WrestleMania ever. And uh, it really did live up to the hype. I've got to say, this is just fucking great. Um, <laughs> there's a moment at the beginning where I, I, I was going to make a joke about everyone hitting the floor because Sean's got a gun. But, you know, um, what's he doing? This is pro wrestling, not a peaceful American protest. <laughs> Moving so, on. I made one, one very little joke. It's I didn't even mention the last bit of the joke I wrote down. So uh, two of the guns are duds. Um, <sighs> struggling. I'm really struggling. So Sean with the giant in-ring pyro and then off the top of the stadium follow-up pyro. Holy shit. They went full out for this production. Well, he's not been at Mania for a while. He's got his stockpiled <laughs> pyro shares. <laughs> It looks so cool. Uh, technically, uh, sorry, technical one-up. Up, I'll say that again. There's this is technical kind of one-upsmanship going on between the two the whole way. Like from the moment that first slap comes from Jericho, suddenly it's just like Jericho beating down on Sean's back. He's so relentless and mean and cruel, you know. 
Oh, such a good story of Jericho just attacking Sean's back the whole way through the match. Well, how how this match started is a real classic old school wrestling mentality, like the one-upsmanship they did. Mm. And the great spot which led on to just the general beating the shit out of him was when obviously HBK tried the leapfrog and Jericho just doesn't go under and just slaps HBK in the face. It's like, this yeah. is just... What a great way to start a match. It reminded me quite a lot of uh, how Angle and Benoit felt, at least, for WrestleMania 17. Except we can look back at this with a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling exactly. rather than a level of awkwardness and uncomfortableness like we did well, last week. considering some of the stuff Jericho put out recently, I'm not so sure about that one, but it's what it is. Uh, Jericho trying to show he surpassed Shawn Michaels. At Whoa, one point, hang Shawnee... on. I've, I must have completely missed that. What the hell has Jericho done? Uh, he tweeted out the whole All Lives Matter thing and stuff. And was like, yeah. Ah, not great, but I think it's innocent in terms of intention, at least. I don't think Jericho's a massive fucking racist, or at least I hope not. No, not Jackson Riker. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was weird, wasn't it? On the plus anyway. point, Vin, Vince loves that, so he's going to be world champion in three weeks. Well, he's on fucking Trump's board, isn't he? <laughs> At one point, Sean even attempts a one-two-three kid moonsault out the corner because he's trying everything he can to beat Jericho. Uh, I popped hard for this moment. I thought it was so cool. The the nostalgia and the 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 the, the flashbacks to these things. It's it was incredible, and you know that. No other producer got involved in this match back oh, in 2003. It was, no. it was a case of HBK would have gone to Vince and gone, we will just do this. And Can you I imagine wouldn't... anyone trying to step in between these two and be like, what I want you to do, boys? They'd be like, fuck off. Michael Straight Hayes away. would come in. What I want you guys to do is an arm bar. Yeah, sure. So Jericho starts to do Shawn Michaels spots, including the sweet chin music, but Shawn kicks it too, to a giant pop from the huge crowd hbk works his way back into the match macho elbow lands off the top tuning up the band super kick attempt reversed into the walls of jericho hbk gets to the ropes again the crowd are so fucking into this it's incredible they had the people completely at their fingertips with everything they were doing at this point uh everyone is on board uh switching music by sean a bit of a delay while he crawls over to pin Jericho. And so Jericho kicks out after the two. Both lads in the corner. Some sort of crazy roll up by Sean using his ankles to pin Jericho's shoulders to the mat. For the one, two, three. And your winner is Sean Michaels in one of my favorite matches of all time, I've got to say. This is an incredible watch back. And I know we've we've said some matches we've watched recently. They may hold up in today's to today's audience this would this this is up there oh, with hbk and taker it's not it's not the same level as hbk Taker with the fan investment in it at this stage the fan were hot for it and it was definitely one of the hotter matches on the card but the actual in-ring and the storytelling you could put that in today's market and people would eat it up the history of the match and these two guys going in and the way they built it up being so brutal and vicious and such is perfect but it doesn't mean shit if you can't go in the ring and tell that story with what you're doing and these two are the greatest ever at doing it i think it's really that simple at times with these two 
And the fact they even had this, like, just Jericho sat in the corner afterwards looking absolutely perplexed how he lost it yeah. as well. Just the, the storytelling, even after the match is over, leading into the, uh, the, end, the end spot, it, it, everything worked perfectly. From the moment they enter the arena to the moment they leave the arena, these two do not break focus or character at any point. It's it's insane how like obsessive they are about being good at their jobs. It's such a pleasure to watch, man. Like I really can't say enough about these two. Uh, I would say, and they're probably two of the most consistent wrestlers ever. You also have that element of the competitive pride. HBK wants to be able to keep up with the younger version of himself in and out of storyline. Yeah. And Jericho wants to prove that he is in the same league, if not better than HBK. But just from that professionalism, they, it was every great. Every sequence do, they do tells that story. It's not just words and vignettes that tell us something and then they go out and just do a match, you know. it's Everything has that involved in every sequence. It's fucking great, man. So, post-match, Jericho goes to... Um, oh, sorry, HBK goes for a handshake with Jericho. Jericho slaps it away and hugs Sean. Steps back, Jericho punts Sean in the bollocks absolutely perfection great match slow build brilliant fun ending that kept both guys strong but the rightly giving sean the victory post-match was lovely and continues the feud i just ah uh, i'm going on and on about it but it's everyone so loves a game of rochambeau at the end of a wrestling match <laughs> imagine if he'd taken it and just punted him straight back oh it was so good so um French guy referee going into the Vince's locker room. What's his name? Sylvain, Sylvain Grenier. What's this story? I don't remember this at all. At this stage, Vince McMahon seemed to have his own slightly dodgy uh, referee. So leading up to this, Sylvain Grenier was signed as a talent. The backstage jibber-jabber is that um, Pat Patterson had a thing for Sylvain. So that's oh, yeah, why okay. he, got, he got a job. Uh, but he was working as the SmackDown Mr. McMahon special official. And as you said, we got the little backstage bit where we saw Sylvan knock on the uh, office door of Vince McMahon. So, Mr. McMahon, it's Sylvan. Ooh, controversy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, wait, another Limp Bizkit performance? What yes. is this? <laughs> twice on one wrestlemania i didn't realize there was i don't remember sorry there was this much limp biscuit on this show uh, this this version of crack addict went on but more importantly we didn't have the fink introducing them we had tony chimmel this time so that's a nice yeah. change I, I love tony chimmel i think he's uh not got the fair shake at the stick he deserves no, and at this stage, before we get to witness the beauty of crack addicts, we get the new Safeco Field attendance record of, as you said earlier, 54097. Still the attendance record hooks up. Is it? Oh, yeah. interesting. Still the most people have ever had of that thing. I mean, the Mariners play there, so <laughs> no one's going to go see them. Nobody goes to uh, watch baseball. It's just cricket for shitters. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Crack Addict is a shit song. Fred does a lot of swearing. John Otto's snare sound is fucking awesome, though so much pop on that snare it sounds fucking great um and sam rivers is a really good bass player that's what i'm gonna say he is a good bass player not the best he's a good bass player (laughs) so john otto is a very good drummer as well um and fred's there too so fred's lyrics in 2003 make absolutely no sense at all he just kind of counts says random expressions and tells us how he's gonna hurt us because we keep talking (laughs) i'm like what 
Um, I mean, I'm talking now, Fred. Where you at, big boy? <laughs> don't let Fred. Uh, don't get caught out by Fred Durst. He'll <laughs> slam you like he slammed Britney. <laughs> Ooh. So um, I've got one last line about this song, and I'm quite proud of it. Uh, this song has more breakdowns than Lindsay Lohan. <sighs> Fucking hell. Coach introduces the porn music, and well, this is more Attitude Era than the Attitude Era. Um, JR to Lawler. Your bed has got, what's he called? Calluses on it. Because he's like, ah, you have sex a lot. I think uh, JR spelled calluses wrong. I think it's spelled C A N D Y. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, it's that time, Tax. It's that time for our softcore porn on a stage in a baseball stadium match. Just get the- me softcore porn on a pole. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't get you the pole. I got you a stage in a baseball stadium. That's pretty good. And you got me what can be described as a very um, odd-looking bed. That's not a regulation <laughs> measurement bed. Is that a king maybe, sign? Is that a deluxe? Maybe, Is that like a one team of the weirdest statements we've had on the podcast? <laughs> it's right up there. Of uh, the Miller Light Catfight Whores versus Tory Wilson. And Stacey Keebler. You make this sound like this was an original match. No, the Miller Lite Catfight Girls Bro. were supposed to have a lingerie pillow fight on the non-dimension specific bed. And then Tori Wilson came out, uh, or Stacey Keebler, whichever one, came out first and said, oh, we can't do this, let's make it a three-way, at which point Coach and King had uh, meltdowns. And then the other one came out and said, no, let's make it a fatal four-way. And then they all... Stripped coach to his pants, rolled over him, and then all stood there like they'd done something important. Meanwhile, Randy well, Orton was wait, taking wait, a wait, shit wait, in wait, someone's wait, bag. Wait, 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 wait. So, I'm gonna, I want to go through this in detail. I <laughs> think this is important. This is a special match, Tax. So, Tori whips off her top. Tori whips off Stacy's top. They all mount the giant size bed, and Tori's schoolboy rolls up Stacy, who viciously punts her in the head with the back of her knees. <laughs> brutal pillow shots by the whores still on the bed <laughs> it's like rock foley out here tonight <laughs> tory wilson with the kabashi like machine gun chop to the rear <laughs> of a tree of woe joey lawrence stacy keebler the whore the horse robe and maliciously continue to destroy each other with the pillows of doom sullivan my son <laughs> skip to the end coach gets pantsed uh can they fucking do that jerry moment of the year when stacy rolls up coachman for the win <laughs> what the fuck uh, he wasn't in this match he's, he's not a train he's not nathan jones he can't just appear i was pretty inebriated when i wrote those notes i committed to the sullivan part Ah, oh, fucking hell. The winner is... Who are we kidding? Um, Teenage <laughs> men. <laughs> <laughs> These women then all take a standing ovation together because, you know, fuck wrestling, am I right? Uh, Cornette meter off the fucking scale. Boobs. <laughs> I think my own notes really for this is boobs and bum everywhere. This doesn't belong at WrestleMania. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. This week, of all weeks, this week. I I sent a message to Coach Wicked earlier saying that this is going to be a very, very, very difficult match to cover on this podcast this week. Of all weeks. 
we decide to watch WrestleMania 19 that includes this storyline between Triple H and Booker T. Oh no. It's oh. so raw. Like, so um, Triple H didn't have an opponent because Undertaker was working A-Train and that match happened. Moving on to the next. <laughs> <laughs> so to be fair, the video production for the package at the beginning is banging. Okay. The storyline, if we really look at it, is aside from the massive racist shit. Okay. This is Flair versus Dusty. It's Triple H and Booker, you know? Yeah, it's, but the different the difference here, the Flair versus Dusty was you're literally a common man, you have no right to lace my boots. Whereas the the the, the hounding comment in this storyline, which even back in two thousand three just irked me so much when Triple H said to Booker T, but Booker, let's be honest, I look at me and I look like a champion. I look at you and you can never hold this belt. No. And it's a case of, oh, he said, Jesus. People like you. People like you will never hold this belt and not meant to be champion or whatever it was. And you're like, oh, do you want to explain that, mate? <laughs> and he's like, uh, basically, him, Flair, Lawler, just endlessly do racist shit throughout this feud. It's fucking terrible. Maybe to make it nicer... I'm going to see it that he was saying you shouldn't hold this belt, but Stevie Ray should because he's a better worker. <laughs> that, that's, that's what I'm holding on to. Absolutely. So it's our world heavyweight title match because this is the raw belt right now. Big so gold have, belt at this time. Yeah. So we have the world heavyweight, which is the big gold. And then how would you describe the WWE championship at this time? I would describe it as fucking ugly, <laughs> but you know, the old unit, the old, um, uh, unified WWE WWF champion, yeah. the undisputed it, champion. That was it. It's like an ugly, squashed oval shape of the sex belt before it. You know, it's, it's not great. No one wants the squash, squash sex belt. We had that in the Miller Cat fight match. <laughs> <laughs> so Triple H, who's our current champion with Ric Flair, versus our underdog Booker T, who's getting shit on by all the heels, right? So, no motorhead, unfortunately, but we still get the same theme tune, which is good. Uh, I will say the Booker T Harlem Heat WCW music is the best thing ever. You know? Yeah. It's just but so much We fun. should have heard it first before the champion came out. <laughs> hey, this annoyed me. Who came out first? Triple H. Did he? Oh, I didn't even notice. God, that makes Furious. me Furious. So, JR buries WCW on commentary, which is generally quite funny. Uh, Triple H, son's beard. It's weird, isn't it? Young in the pup. Words, in the words of Mr. Blumpier, why does he have so much face? <laughs> <laughs> so, solid, if a tad tedious, baby face fire match, right? Jelly, Jerry Lawler's initially Jelly subtle. Lawler. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's known as from now on. Jelly Lawler starts off being fairly subtle about the racism. By halfway through the match, it's just like, just stop. Please just stop. He's constantly going on about being a criminal and all this sort of shit. And JR genuinely seems to get fucked off with it. And it's like, just shut up. 
And Lawler continues to make jokes even then. It's just like, oh. I will say here that while I I anticipate some of this is coming from Lawler, you cannot discount how much of this is coming from a headset. And equally, as you said, JR is clearly getting annoyed by this. And and I get the impression, like you said, this isn't an in-character annoyed. This is Jim Ross human being getting annoyed by this which means that if Vince is backstage on headsets realising it's antagonising JR he's just going to be pushing King to do more do more yeah sure Um, for me again like headset aside and everything Lawler is kind of like Heenan but without the whimsical funny bits this is and again there's no there's no rhyme or reason to say there's any form of racial-based humour. That, like as you said, like with Heenan and anyone who came from Mexico, that like we've 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 laughed about as 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 we've gone through some of our previous pods. But as you said, when Heenan does it, there's an air of. Uh, it's very difficult how to phrase it, but it's, it's almost like there's an air of innocence about it. It's yeah. almost like he doesn't believe what he's saying and he's saying it purely for the heel joke. Whereas yeah. with Lawler, that's the person, not the character, saying that. That's exactly how it comes across at the very least, you know. But it's it's um, whimsical is the thing I keep coming back with Heenan. It always feels there's this air of whimsy, the silliness about it. With JR, it's like a bully almost it's it's horrible it's uncomfortable listening to this throughout the match and it's not just because it's this week it's genuinely shit so this was this still would have been a, a big factor of what we talk about during this match regardless of what was happening in the world at, at the time which we're recording this yeah. but the, the problem is and i know we'll sort of call, go through some of the spots here even watching this at the time and I would have been, how would I have been? About just, I'd been 20 at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'd been 19 at the time. Even at 19, sitting there thinking, this is making me, and again, still, you know, a grown adult man, 19 years old, still thinking there, this is not right. And I don't want to watch this match if this is going to continue. Because it took away from a lot of the in ring. Yeah. So much away from the in ring. And the thing is that some of it could be forgiven if Booker T wins. But not only does he not win, the method they do it is horrific. They completely bury Booker T here. Booker lands the scissors kick, and I'm like, isn't it called the axe kick? Because they just go on and on about it being a scissors kick on commentary. I'm like, do they even know the name of his move? Isn't it the axe kick? Or is that just me? Uh, I I think I think they always called it a scissor kick. Okay, I don't know. I I wonder if this is the time where they were trying avoiding names of uh, weapons, etc. Would make sense. Yep, sure. So there's a bit of a delay. So Booker T eventually covers Triple H, who kicks out at two. So making Booker's move look a bit shit. That's face facts in. Well, they, Booker- they 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 did have that like Booker T. I I viewed this that Booker T was too injured to make the instant cover. It's like he hit his move out of nowhere. Then he tried to make the cover. It wasn't a case he rolled over him straight away. It was a bit of a delay, as you said. Okay, so the point being that Booker does his finish. There's a small delay. Booker goes to the pin. Triple H kicks out. Okay, fair enough. Booker goes full two cold Scorpio with a 450 leg drop off the top. Fucking hangover. Oh, 
dude, so cool. Uh, he smashes his near Triple H's skull, which is unfortunate. But apart from that, it was really, really cool. Triple H eventually hits the pedigree. About 30 seconds pass. Triple H finally crawls over and covers Booker T for the one, two, three. What? Someone would suggest the delay between Booker and his uh, scissors kick and Triple H and the pedigree. There might have been a little bit of a difference between the time scales that they just both lay there. Um, and this was very much a case of early 2000s Triple H just running through the roster. But if racism wins, that's not good. <laughs> right? It, yeah, this... It, it, Anytime I I think back to this story, uh, still world champion Triple H after 19 minutes. <laughs> so let's move on. WWE shop.com ad, blah, 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 blah. This is the first time I remember seeing these ads and not thinking, oh, I need that in my life. I'll tell you what you do need in your life, though, if you mention a shop. Com, dot com. go to amazon.co.uk and grab yourself a World of Wrestling Podcast t-shirt. It's better than all the shit that's on WWE Shop. Just search yeah. World of Wrestling Podcast. It's £15. If you're on Prime, they post it to you for free. Uh, helps us out. And you have a really cool t-shirt at the end of it. On a little bit of a side note of that, I actually forgot that Amazon emailed me right at the beginning of the COVID stuff going, yeah, we're going to stop the t-shirt production for a while. And they just started it back up this week. So this is a good time to go get one. If you have ordered one, very sorry. I completely forgot that email existed. Uh, I'm sure it'll be arriving in the post soon. So there you go. It's a big testament to our level of professionalism that I've been shilling t-shirts and I haven't been aware that we haven't been able to send (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts. It's okay. The fact that we have sold a few and no one's complained about it. Like, yeah, cheers, guys. Appreciate you. They'll be turning up soon, I promise. So... 20 years we haven't got the money yet by the way just so you know that's why i haven't sent you yours it's <laughs> all right your, i mean i might need to find a different house t-shirt profits you know i'm gonna three, i'm gonna turn down that associate director i'll just become a t-shirt <laughs> mogul now i love it so next up talk about racism 20 years in the making street fight of hulk hogan versus vincent kennedy mcmahon the video package leading into this match was one of the best things on this entire show it's i mean the footage you've got to work with with these two it's incredible isn't it i always enjoy the hulk hogan marching out waving his hands and some reason his headband's gone down and he's caught it in his mouth and he's walking <laughs> out with it <laughs> it's good stuff as i was watching this video package though do you know what was running through my head all the things you said <laughs> no nice. i'm so proud but of no. that <laughs> Yeah, it was, it's not that good. <laughs> I was trying to decide who I hate the least between Hulk Hogan and Vince Man, and I think I hate Vince the least. At least he's given us something. That's that's a given. I think Vince McMahon is a businessman. He's got shareholders. Hulk Hogan's a racist. Yep, sounds about right. Also, and just, and just remember, t- as Hulk Hogan told the wrestlers in WWE. Got to be careful, lads. Not an apology. Don't say stupid things. Don't be ignorant. Don't be uneducated. <laughs> careful, lads. People are filming everywhere. Do you know how much I love Tony Khan for his tweets this week? I like the fact that he's banned Linda Hogan. That's my favourite. <laughs> Along with I your just husband. The band is like, yeah, ex-husband. 
fucking hilarious. Didn't even dress him as Hulk Hogan. He's just like, you mean this little to me? Fuck you. <laughs> just the best. Um, so we cut into this match, and these guys are making their entrances, and this dubbed entrance for Hogan. I can't even, mate. I can't even. What is this? I am um, just just to show how uh, much time I had on my hands when watching this this week. Um, I muted it and played proper Hendrix on my phone. Awesome. <laughs> you to the ring. So the crowd noise that they dubbed in, I don't know if you actually listened to it in the end. Did you listen to any of it? No, or? no. Because okay. as soon as the first couple of oh. bars came out, I was like, I am not listening to this. Bro. I don't use that word lightly. <laughs> Unlike certain people. The crowd noise. It sounds like it's like almost from an 80s BBC noise sample CD, you know? It's it's really bad. And it's like Hogan steps out, takes four or five steps, and then the screams kick in, and you're like, oh, <laughs> you haven't even edited it well. I think they were just trying to do have that thought process that you were having watching this match. The fans are like, who do I hate more, Vince or Hogan? It took four minutes to them go, oh, maybe, maybe we cheer Hogan. <laughs> it was during this terrible Hogan faux Hendrix bollocks that's dubbed over the network that i was like that's enough i'm gonna go have a nap i'm done (laughs) so i have a bit of a gap here where i'm gonna finish this 24 hours later so i jump into the stare off and vince immediately slapping hogan hogan then tackles vince in a weirdest opening spot between these two did you expect hogan to tackle vince to start the match it's something different and you're not going to get a wrestling match between Vince McMahon and anyone so you're going to have to have something a bit different and no other match started like it so at least it was something there yeah this is full roidy Vince time period by the way he looks his traps are scary looking there was no wellness policy in WWE in 2003 no and it seems like Hogan might have got clean and like taken a bit of a back step because he just looks about I mean, it's taught, like height-wise and width-wise, he's a bigger dude. But Vince is certainly the more muscular of the two. I'd agree with that. Vince is definitely more um, hench. Full is of roids? Is that a word you're looking for? <laughs> I, I'm not going to speculate on steroid use. It's really, Mate. all my weight loss has just been come by hitting the roids. <laughs> <laughs> I've oh lost my God. neck. <laughs> Hook it to my veins, literally. <laughs> Uh, Vince going toe-to-toe in a test of strength with Hulk Hogan is the weirdest thing ever. Massive, unprotected chair shots of Vince, as you might expect. So Vince self-harms for your viewing pleasure. Poor Hugo Savinovich. <laughs> he bloody loves getting involved, but I can't imagine his re- response was, oh, yeah, I'll take a chair shot. And then he <laughs> was like, well, I'm definitely not going to, uh, definitely not going to miss the commentator, even though Hogan tries to let go. Yeah. So Hogan swings the chair. Vince ducks. Hogan connects with the Spanish announcer. Racist. What? Oh, <laughs> I thought you were calling me racist. I was no. like, what did I say? Hogan attacking the Spanish announcer, yeah. Uh, so, oh, what, Hogan gets hit with a chair too and self-harms as well? Is that what happens? I don't remember. Yeah, look, so basically Vince gets the chair afterwards and strikes Hogan. So Vince throws Hogan into a cameraman or assistant, or rigger, or whoever it is. The guy doesn't even sell it, and I'm like, fuck's sake, lad, come on, boy. you've seen wrestling right. It's just got Hulk Hogan thrown into you. Fall on the floor, dickhead. 
He's won the cameraman for OWE in Cambodia at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> they just no sell everything or record anything. Oh, really? Is it that bad? I, in fairness, no, they're, they're doing a good job in OWE. They're, they're yeah. turning it around. And I think once they can get their Chinese talent to leave China and come to Cambodia, they're going to have a... It's going to be an entertaining product again. You've got Michael Nee on commentary now. Cool. It's, it's all good fun. You know, Michael Nee, uh, if you want a commentating buddy in, in place of the other guy, I'd happily do commentary with Michael Nee. And in fairness, I think I, we briefly touched on this before, but they always make reference now to OWE UK on these fight broadcasts where Michael Nee is pretty much kind of, like, kind of cast iron guaranteeing not having to give any money back, even though Sean McMahon's nicked it all, allegedly. He definitely has. Um, right. He's basically said, if you had a ticket to OWUK and you're ever in Cambodia, come by and we will make it right. <laughs> I mean, interesting, but fair enough. So, so as soon as I've got money and we can travel, I'm going to Cambodia. <laughs> it's quite a tourist hotspot, to be fair. You've got Vietnam, Cambodia and stuff, you know. Only because I'm going to go there and go, you want to make it right? Put me in a match with with like Shaolin Monk. Dude, with all due respect, I think it might be a struggle to work with him. How dare you? Wrestling is an international <laughs> language. <laughs> so did you spot T or T's in the front row? Yep. Yeah, he's big and loud, isn't he? So uh, Vince leg drop through the ladder, through the table with Hogan. It's just fucking great. Vince on the ladder, bleeding, doing the Hogan ear thing to the crowd. Oh, he's just the best. And then oh, and then obviously he still can't get the free. Brings Hogan in. But then we go for one I of mean, the... As he's bringing Hogan in, there is the moment that you've kind of skipped over where Hugo Savinovich is bladed from the chair shot he took. <laughs> Yeah, and he's taken away. I thought we'd covered Hugo. Nah, I didn't mention that bit, but it doesn't matter. So um, it was at this point that I was like, I'm sold. This is amazing. I was totally into it. I was loving this match. I wanted to hate it, but it was so much fun. But then you get the most iconic Vince McMahon moment. Ooh, the most yeah. evil moment. Yeah, the moment that Keith Lee uses nowadays. <laughs> if you've seen that clip, it's the same thing. Yeah. Vince bloodied rising up from behind the ring apron oh just the best the visual i screen capped it because i'm gonna use it for future wrestle talk videos <laughs> but vince reaction shots like that's perfect it's so so iconic man i forgot it was here and it's just the best to see it so good. and because it because of the facial expression you forget that he's gone under the ring and grabbed a steel pipe yeah sure so, out of nowhere, Rowley Roddy Piper appears in his out-to-scare campers on Wimbledon common trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Got like that one? I, I, I just think of anything with Wimbledon common that trench coat. The episode of Bottom when they go camping. You got it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so, Piper Hogan Vince, history here. It goes back to WrestleMania 1 and before that. It's, it's super cool. Every every time you see Hot Rod in the ring, it's always nice. It's a real so, shame that of all the three people, he's the one who's dead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, oh, I'm going to add levity to that very important statement. Piper hits Hogan with a... Piper? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> <laughs> then baby, baby Earl can't take a beal out of the ring. Uh... I'm full of great lines here. Referee shenanigans. Vince does the deed. Leg drop to Hogan. Always gets the job done, right, Tax? Always three, like a Mishinoku driver. And of course, you know, Hogan being the cunt that he is, kicks out. Hey, Tax, 
Have you ever seen a Hogan match before? I'm mildly familiar with the works of Terry Belea. <laughs> so, you know how the match finishes then. Good stuff. So, Hogan wins. <laughs> Cole tries to do a JR impersonation. And God, it's bad. He goes, Hogan, Hogan, Hogan. Hulkamania is running wild. Yeah, fuck off, Cole. You you forgot to mention crooked ref Sylvain Grenier running in and Hogan ejecting him. Yeah, maybe deliberately. It was I nice mean, to see Hogan. Do you want be able to talk to about it? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, does anyone remember Sylvan Grenier at WrestleMania 19? I doubt it. It was nice to see him the following year at Mania with La Resistance for the tag belts. Yeah, sure. That, I thought that was quite a fun gimmick until, you know, the whole Bob Holly thing happened. Kind of yeah. gimmick. Um, and it was nice to see they were trying to do something with Sean O'Hare, pairing him with Roddy Piper after this, but that then led into that awful lot of thing oh. with Zach Gowan. Mm, that was bad. Very bad. This is a, such a weird time period for wrestling. Like This is the end of the good stuff, really, isn't it? For a while, at least. Just having the Vincent Mann comment was that going, I'm going to beat a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ. So Shane McMahon, at the end of this match, strolls down to the ring as Hogan is celebrating, all bloodied up. Uh, there's this weird standoff between Shane and Hogan. I think it's meant to be some sort of passing of the torch moment, but it never really pays off because obviously Shane buggers off soon after this. Vince, dead in the ring, still laying on his back, all bloodied, has the forethought to throw up the bird at Hogan and lift his head all bloodied staring at the camera. The, the imagery of this, it's fucking great. Vince gets wrestling at this time. We also forgot to mention this match was supposed to be if Hogan lost, he'd retire. Sure. But Hogan he didn't lose though. So yeah. And Hogan's never retired. He's, do- he's going to be back at 37, brother. <laughs> do you know what I heard today, actually, on a, on a podcast? Darren Young was saying how the Nexus were going to be brought back originally for something to do with WrestleMania 36. So this is a real weird one, right? And that he gave an interview where he said that the Nexus were going to be signing at Access and someone took that and went, oh, the Nexus are going to be at, we're going to meant to be at WrestleMania. It's like, well, technically, yeah, but that's not the story. And it wasn't us. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> it was someone else. I'd like to say as well, the story would be that Wade Barrett's, Stu Bennett's currently under contract to NWA and wants nothing to do with that company. Michael Tarver, no idea where he is. Heath Slater, meh. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. So, it's time for your, well, not main event of the trilogy. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock. It's not the main event tonight, which I think is the correct decision um in retrospect maybe not but we know austin and rock are buggering off after this you've got to put brock and angle as the main right and also the reason why this may have not been the main is what happened to austin the night before what happened to austin the night before are you not aware of this okay so on the network there is a and they made references on commentary there's a documentary called the making of the making of wrestlemania and basically all the camera crews are following people around on the weekend of mania 19 it was released around wrestlemania 20 what's it called again uh i think it's like uh the mania of wrestlemania i'll, I'll see if i can find it and i'll send you um, the link to it yeah. but it's basically a documentary following everything that's happening around wrestlemania 19 and it was released as said around wrestlemania 20 i think it was even an extra on the wrestlemania 20 dvd they talk um, uh, jerry law talks about you know the um the wrestlemania movie i think you refer yeah, to yeah and that that's genuinely what they were filming but 
the night before, Austin ends up in hospital with what he thought he was dying. He'd been Jesus. he'd been um, at the gym the day before. I can't remember if he was with Kevin Nash at the time when he was do- working out in the gym, and he was saying like his legs were twitching. He bundled a load of energy drinks, um, and then had to call for medical assistance in his room the night before. Oh, so shit. basically, at this time, only him, the WWE doctors, and Jr. were aware that Austin was in hospital. He wasn't out till the morning. Um, didn't sleep, was in a really bad way leading up to this match. And I like on some sort of something to wrestle and a few other things that JR's done, they had no idea if Austin was even going to be able to make the match. He was in such a bad way. Bloody hell. It, it's, it's amazing hearing that because it doesn't really show in his performance. No, I, Austin was saying, has said before this match, he was like, he knew that this was going to be it nobody else knew some people may have suspected it but he knew this was going to be it and if you know it's going to be your last match and you think you're on the verge of being out anyway you're going to leave it all in that ring yeah i mean that was going to be one of the things i brought up is that we now know this is steve austin's last ever match uh the rock's off to do his whole hollywood shtick but does come back here and there takes a very very long break soon after this was it immediately after this uh, he had the big feud with Goldberg, which was the surprise oh, yeah. reveal at the end of obviously this this card. Yeah, sure. Then then he had the Rock concert, and then uh, the the Rock's comment to the Raw crowd going, huh, "You think you're so cool that you know the Rock's accountant, Ira Goldberg?" Hang on a tick. What was that about? Was there a reveal for Goldberg on this show at the end of WrestleMania on the live broadcast? And I didn't watch the clips package. I don't know if it's the one on the network. It played a promo for Goldberg at the end of WrestleMania 19. Wow, so you watch it on the live pay-per-view and oh. then there was the preview for Goldberg. It's no Goldberg shit. is coming, yeah. That's definitely not on the network version now. So no, th- that, 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 that was it. And then he turned up at Raw the next night. Nice. Okay, so the video package for Rock Austin here is really good, but WrestleMania 17 my way, this is not. Um, I really wanted to question why they didn't use historic footage of these two they just nearly all of it is the modern like the last few roars leading up to this pay-per-view seems odd considering the the levity of this feud you know if you think that austin had been out of the company until no way out earlier in that year so you're talking maybe six to eight weeks before that that rock that austin came back after taking his ball going home the whole brock lesnar king of the ring debacle Mm -hmm. um the 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 story was literally as simple as that. It was I need to be I need to beat you. I've never beaten you at Mania. Let's go for it. Because you also have to wonder what the plans were had Austin not come back. I know it seems to have been in the works for a while, um, leading up to this stage, but there there wasn't really much to it other than that story. It's the yeah, final absolutely. encounter. It's it sells it. It gets Austin on a card with someone who knows he can work with. You don't have to have any continual real follow-on with Rock as he uh, as he finishes off. I still but think yeah. they could have put a bit more effort in this video package, but just with the footage they had and with the promo they already constructed last year, so they've already got the clips ready to go. You know, maybe they just don't want last year, two years ago. Sorry, but anyway, let's move on to it. So Rock's intro. It's this. It's the same thing that 
like Miz ripped off for his current entrance video. You know, where they have Miz himself, whoever did Miz's entrance video. They have that big city flyover and the kind of the lights panning past and things. And I, whenever I see Miz's entrance, I'm like, <gasps> is it The Rock? <laughs> for a moment in my head. And then I hear, awesome. And my heart sinks like, oh, fuck, it's The Miz. <laughs> so um, even though I think Miz is a great heel, he's just a shitty wrestler. So uh, it was res- the Mania 27 um, intro for The Miz. I don't remember. The video package of that is cracking really really good mm-hmm. maybe so <laughs> you say maybe you don't even remember it <laughs> but it's the miz how can it be good anyway so um the reception for austin is genuinely incredible it's not the pop he was getting a couple of years back but every single person's on the feet there's white lighting lighting everyone up so you can see every fan in attendance it's the flashes and the emotion it's just it's great man um, well, well, this is what we've said throughout for this whole Austin Rock thing. You've had this match. This is the third time in essentially four manias, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, so sorry, five manias. Yeah, and it, it, you can pick up wherever you, you leave off with these guys. Yeah, absolutely. So Austin steps down from saluting the fans on the last turnbuckle. And again, the Rock is right in his face really lovely um cohesion between the three starts of these matches um this time they pause and just stare at each other really nice moment this time austin blocks the punch opens up a can of whoop ass and almost gets the early stunner and off we go uh the third and final part of this trilogy this feud uh the walk and brawl Um, But it's so hectic and constant. Austin must blow up like so many of his opponents. He's relentless, even right at the end of his career. It's just... Well, I I said I'm lost for words. Just these two together, it's everything from my fandom from being a teenager. Yeah. They don't have the best technical matches. They don't necessarily have the best in-ring storytelling, you know? But it's just so hectic and so constant. And like they, it's like they're smashing you over the head with it, going, watch this, enjoy this, look what we're giving you. And the fans eat it up because of the history and story behind everything. It's it's really cool, man. Like, it's this feels like the main event as you're watching it. Which, which is good because, you know, considering the prior year you had... Hogan and Rock ruin the main event. <laughs> Rock and what Austin are out was, to try and do it. What was the main event? I remember Jericho Triple H. Oh, okay, that would make sense. Um, so Austin won't let up, promoting. I'm sorry, prompting Baby L to drag Austin off of Rocky, which opens up the door for Rock to shot block away at Austin's knees, which is a good chunk of like the last third of the match is just Rock going after Austin's knees. Um, the camera. There's a moment where a cameraman gets knocked down. Is lying flat on his back on the broken Spanish announce table, but still has Rocky fully in frame in his camera. And I'm like, dedication's what you need, brother. Huge part props. This guy, what a camera op. <laughs> He's seriously good. <laughs> I have to just take a moment to throw some props out there for that camera work. It's very impressive. That's the thing you noticed, and we you know we haven't mentioned uh, throughout from the production value side of things. They were certainly a lot more diligent with their production and their angles and their general filming 
Absolutely. in the early 2000s because now they just don't give a shit. Yeah, compared to modern day stuff, it felt um, surgical almost. Yeah. It's, it's insanely impressive. There's actually a really cool moment here where about a minute or two after that spot, uh, The Rock, I think, either shoves the same cameraman as like a show of appreciation or like grabs the front of the lens and pulls it towards where Austin's selling just to like, you know, be a character on screen. And then about 30 seconds after that, we cut to the other camera op. And so you can see the guy that Rock just shoved and he's beaming with joy. I don't know if you noticed this, <laughs> but he looks so happy like that The Rock has involved him in this match at this moment in WrestleMania 19. It's You've got to feel good for the guy. It's a really lovely time. Right. So the last 10-15 match, uh, sorry, the last 10-15 minutes of this match is pretty much perfection. Uh, Rock throws Austin's leather vest on, and from that point onwards, it's all signature sequences and finishes and moves and stuff. Just really, really fun. They kick out of everything. They're selling so, so well, I almost don't mind. The crowd are eating everything up, fully invested. Three rock bottoms in a row, the fourth rock bottom that Austin's taken. Austin kicks out of the other three, but the final one, the third in the sequence, and Austin finally stays down for the one, two, three. The Rock finally gets his win over Austin. It's fucking great. The last third of this match, it's everything I hate about modern wrestling, (laughs) but here it makes sense. It's just great. I liked how they did the multiple rock bottoms as well. It's mm. like we said, we don't particularly like people kicking out of finishers, but the way they did it, it's like, no, no, finally got him. Yeah. And even just the ferocity of that final rock bottom, considering that we know what we know about Austin, his injuries, what we know about Austin's physical well-being state from what happened 24 hours prior to this, just to basically have him rammed through that mat. And it was a perfect way to end Austin's career. It's a perfect way to end the trilogy. 100% man. After the pinfall, there's this beautiful moment where Rocky is blatantly thanking Austin for the victory and such. But then within seconds, he's back in character, jumping up on the ropes, turnbuckles and stuff, lifting his fist in the air. Then this end sequence truly, I think, is an example for modern professional wrestlers. Because as The Rock is making his way to the back, leaving Austin in the ring, you can see that Rocky is trying to be the bad guy still. His, but his whole body is showing the emotion of this moment. Like, he looks like he's about to cry because he's just retired Stone Cold Steve Austin. But well, doing- I also think it's he, he realized, one, he's about to retire, and two, he's got to go and have the next four weeks wrestling with Goldberg. <laughs> well, that too as well. He was petrified. But... The ambition to try and stay in character and be that heel rock that he's worked so hard to get over in the last couple of years. It's it's genuinely impressive. And then the Austin, nice moment, as you mentioned, about them chatting in the ring afterwards, and like Hebner tried to crawl across and Rock shoves him away. It's like, <laughs> no, mate, this is just for for us, okay? Go and sell yeah, t shirts yeah. out the back of your car. <laughs> Ninja stars with Bischoff. So um then Austin is left in the ring by himself. He could take a standing ovation here. He probably should, but he lost. So he makes his way to the back. Hear that, modern day wrestlers? He lost, so he made his way to the back. 
Austin salutes the fans one last time on the ramp. And it's just like, great. <laughs> I don't have another word for it. I'm trying to think of other superlatives and stuff, but it's just, yeah. Do you feel that his exit would have been different had he had all the fans known publicly that this was going to be Austin's last match? Sure, yeah. You would have had everyone stand immediately, give him a huge standing ovation. They did anyway. But it would have been, you know, please don't go one more match with this sort of shit, you know? And he's I don't never think, don't think formally retired, though, has he? He's never come out and gone, I'm done, like <laughs> a boots in the ring thing. He's basically like, that's it. That's And that's, again, the old school wrestler mentality. I'm done. I don't need this massive fandom, this massive send-off. Mm. It would have been nice if he put Brock over on his way out, though, you know? Just saying. Well, that was before this. Yeah, but still... <laughs> It's um yes, it's all the right stuff, and yes, he does the right thing in the moment. But it's Stone Cold Steve Austin on his way out. He knows it's on his way out, and he puts over the Rock, who's on his way out. And they're like, um, that's not how you're meant to do it. Yeah, but Brock's gonna battle for the belt in the main event. <laughs> but why not put over Kurt Angle? Why not put over you know a Shelton Benjamin, a Chris Jericho, or someone? You know, that's the only problem I have with this. Because there's no money. This is the big thing. So I, w- I would say... But there should <laughs> be money for the future. His responsibility is the guy on the way out is to make a new star. And he's not. He's making The Rock, who's already a fucking star. It makes no but difference. Of those three people you mentioned being Angle, Brock, and Shelton, none of them work a style that Austin could keep up with. Okay. And if he knew he was on his way out, are you going to work with someone who mm. you've never worked with before and you could have zero chemistry? Uh, or are you going to work then. with the person with your trilogy? <laughs> Sylvan Grenier. <laughs> Austin salutes the fans and blah, 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 blah. So tonight's main event of the evening, the WWE heavyweight title match of Kurt Angle, our current champion, versus our challenger, Bork Lesnar. <laughs> The build-up to this match, I remember watching this when I was watching both Raw and SmackDown all the time. Mm. And the rumour mill going round that Angle's neck was broken and he wouldn't be able to wrestle at Mania. And then they announced they were going to have the main event match on SmackDown the week before. And obviously they show this in the video package beforehand. I thought, oh my God, what the hell is going to happen at Mania? I remember when I was young, just like, this is insane. I can't believe they're going to have to do the Mania main event on Smacky D. <laughs> it's good stuff, man. Yeah, that video package is really, really cool. It runs through, you know, the whole Lesnar winning the Rumble. You have that whole, was it Eric Angle is Kurt's brother? Eric Angle, yeah. Pretending to be Kurt and Kurt stealing the roll-up victory and stuff and switching places. It's twin magic, mate, before twin magic. (laughs) (laughs) I bloody love twin magic. So both lads make their entrances. And I've got to say, it does feel a bit anticlimactic after Rock and Austin just blew the house off the fucking roof off the fucking house. Um, What did you feel coming into this match? I was excited because I was really into both of these guys at yeah, the I'm time sorry. so having this as the as the main event i i was very much invested in it from like a the wrestler and the natural athlete style this was this were the best retrospectively looking back at kurt angle and brock lesnar i think kurt angle specifically i think is one of the very best in the world ever um i think brock lesnar if he just stuck around could have been the guy for a long time but it kind of worked out, let's be honest about it. I quite like the whole way he comes in and out nowadays and everything. 
Um, yeah, uh, Eric. Have it, seeing Eric Engel, um, I'm surprised that they haven't really tried to edit him out of uh, WWE programming. Why? Well, in uh, in March 2019, he was um, arrested after like a video appeared of him choking and tossing a 12 year old boy around the neck at a wrestling tournament. So wow. he abused mine. And then in the tail end of last year, I think it was September, um, he was part of I think it was called Quantum. And they, they basically, he was involved in a lot of drug trafficking. And oh. he sold anabolic steroids and substances and was paid in crypto on the dark web. That's a shame. But he did a good so, switcheroo, so, you know, <laughs> don't judge uh, a book. <laughs> as these guys are making their entrances, I didn't think the crowd were really into this at this point. Um, there is a strong lockup. Brock sells his taped up ribs. A uh, very back and forth match to start with. But as the match progresses, Cole starts to lose his voice. And again, I've never been so fucking happy. <laughs> it was beautiful. Uh, there's this long submission attempt in the middle. Um, it's an attempt by Kurt and he switches up to three or four different chokes. And it very much felt like Kurt was going, all right, the fans aren't quite with us yet. They're still in kind of like, you know, a bit of shock, a bit of awe from the last match. Let's just just take a second, see if we can get them back into it. Am I right in thinking this? I I think the crowd were tired. I think there was still more engagement in it. But this is also the time where you're in the part of the brand extension. <laughs> so you've got the Raw fans and the SmackDown fans and those who watch both. Well, and I think everyone watched both. Come on, no one was a fan of one or the other. No, but I think that Raw still being the main show, SmackDown being taped and didn't... This was the time when you're really coming into SmackDown 6 time where they actually had a decent TV show. It's not a case they wouldn't watch both. It's a case that they enjoyed Raw more. But I get it. Yeah, okay. I, I, as I said, from my, my, my standpoint, watching it again now and remember watching it back in 2003, I was very, very invested in this. Cool. So... so um. Brock goes for the full Bork monster motion of like suplexes and then it all begins. Uh, Angle returns the favor with four German suplexes in sequence. Really, really cool. Uh, around this time, the crowd really start to make some noise and start to get into the match. Uh, F5 attempt, uh, ankle lock. Huge flip cells by Brock every time he goes for a German suplex. He's literally like jumping up into the air and Kurt has to bring him back down to the Germans. <laughs> it's, it's genuinely quite impressive how much Brock's throwing himself around here. Yeah, Angle, just the trajectory he got throwing Lesnar was quality. Sure, man. So Angle Slam, Brock kicks out. Cole puts it over as the first time someone has kicked out of the Angle Slam. He didn't watch WrestleMania 16 then. <laughs> F5, Angle kicks out. Cole puts over that no one, no one, that's never been done before, as he puts it. Angle didn't watch Survivor Series three months before. <laughs> ankle lock but Brock drags Angle over to the rope it's like hanging off of his leg really cool power spot awesome sequence of reversals uh, in Brock landing another F5 but then but then but then Tax would you like to describe what happens next well Rich instead of going for the cover and winning the main event of Wrestlemania with your finishing move in the centre of the ring Brock Lesnar had decided to go and do something that he'd done in OVW. So Brock Lesnar scaled the top rope. He looked across the ring where Kurt Angle was. Kurt Angle was in a different state. Yet still, (laughs) 
Brock Lesnar thought, I can make that distance. So basically, I, I joke and say he's a dis- different state. Like, angles three quarters of the way across the ring the other way. Mm. And it's like, Brock, you should have just gone to the other turnbuckle, you moron. But anyway. Yeah, or drag Brock- angle across or something. Like, he's so far away. Brock's then standing on the top rope. Excellent bounce. And he just starts bouncing up and down just to feel the weight of the ropes. And I thought, wow, what's he doing up there? And then it happened. Brock Lesnar embraces his internal Billy Kidman. He'd been watching and listening to our Hulk Hogan and Billy Kidman trilogy. We'd all like a Billy Kidman insiders. <laughs> no, Tori Wilson was on the card earlier. And Brockles then proceeded to a backflip spike pile driver on himself right next to Kurt Angle's arm. <laughs> God, he goes for that shooting star, doesn't he? And oh, lands like on his upper neck almost. It's, oh, it's terrible. And it it was one of the scariest looking things because you see him land, as you said, just spiking himself. And Kurt Angle, what an absolute don. I'll try and sell that. Yeah. <laughs> The thing I love about it is the sheer panic of the referee, of Kurt Angle, of the commentary team about, oh shit, what are we going to do next? <laughs> and Kurt Angle just grabs him, goes, yep, get me in the stomach, give me the F5. Well, that that's the thing. One, he two, does, three, so boys. He, goes, he misses shooting star press. And the fact of the matter is that Angle still had the the wherefore to roll over and cover Brock and make him kick out too. You can sort yeah. of see him go kick out Brock, kick out, kick out because if not, can you imagine that shit finished to mania? Yeah. <laughs> Brock's killed himself and Angle's just gone for the uh, the pin and Lesnar's out. There must be a thing that goes through Kurt Angle's head that if he just broke his neck, I've got to finish this now. We have to have a finish to WrestleMania. Yeah. And, it's, and, it's and then so having, having Lesnar who just could have killed himself and just stand up and just launch Kurt Angle so dangerously in that third F5 in this match. Yeah. Thank God he was okay because, I mean, oh, and knew Brock Lesnar, by the way. <laughs> who cares? The botch is so, so terrific at the end that it's all everyone really remembers from this WrestleMania immediately. The thing is, though, if he'd landed that shooting star press, it still wouldn't... Inter- it wouldn't be one of those things to go, I'll remember when Brock Lesnar won the world title with a shooting star press at Mania. It'd be a case of, why did the big man do that? Yeah, it's impressive, but the F5 is a more devastating move than someone just doing a backflip belly flop on you. I, I understand how you got to that conclusion sort of thing, but it's people used to talk endlessly about Brock being able to do an F5 because there was that clip that would always come out on like social media and stuff at the time, which was minimal to say the least. I don't even think YouTube was really around at this time, but who knows? Was YouTube around 2003? I don't think so. Anyway, I definitely remember seeing the clip of Lesnar doing the shooting star press and knowing that he was capable of doing it. Oh, he can. And the same thing, like him and Matt Morgan were doing them both in developmental. All right, and then okay. Jim Cornette was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, post-match, Cole and Taz say some stuff. Who cares? Uh, Brock, looking very dazed, is awarded the WWE strap, not the World Heavyweight Championship, whatever the fuck it is nowadays. I don't like this brand, but I never have. Uh, then Angle and Brock shake hands. They embrace. Cue the massive pyro. Um, Brock looks completely out of it, man. He looks like he doesn't even know where he is, and he's got this big red mark across his chest and, like, up his neck. That 
just the glazed look in his eyes mm. of a case of what the fuck has just happened. Yeah, absolutely, man. So then we cut to the best NVIDIA package of all three that we've seen recently, I would say, uh, apart from, you know, Fred and Pals being over the top of it. <laughs> um, how Fred they include- and Pals, not even acknowledge them as Limp Biscuit because it's got a head and fucking Mike Smith in there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's how... I didn't mention it earlier, I forgot actually, but it's when Fred Fred and Pals do their do their first performance. Uh, they cut to Michael Cole and he doesn't go, Limp Biscuit, the WWE's favourite band. He goes, Fred Durst and Limp Biscuit. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh we've got Katrina to and the waves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the very end of this video package, right at the end, has a shot of the pyro that happened right before they cut the camera. And I'm like, how the fuck did you get that shot in there? I mean, I know how. They have two live feeds, and so they're obviously broadcasting from one and then editing on the other or whatever. But it's how they do these end video packages this fast, this well. It's amazing stuff. Because they stopped doing them for a number of years, and they bought them back. They bought them back. There was one for 36, wasn't there, at the end of each of the nights? Because obviously they could, because it's all all pre-recorded anyway. Yeah, sure. So, they're always that was impressive, but yeah, it's the end of our trilogy of Rock and Austin. Out of the three pay per views, which was your favourite? Uh, as in Rock Austin match, or out of the three manias we've covered Let's in go in general? Three manias, so it's between seventeen and nineteen. Which one did you prefer? Seventeen is still the one for me, but the in ring action, like we mentioned last week, the in ring action was miles ahead in 19 than it was in 17 genuinely agree um i think if this pay-per-view 19 has a tlc match it it becomes head and shoulders above 17 yeah this is what you mentioned earlier had it had a gimmick match had that triple threat tag had something to it yeah and and we've seen what logical storylines as well that would have been nice that's the thing when you look at this card though i don't you go you go back for it so matt harding ray mysterio you've got a storyline there yeah as much as you don't match as much as you don't like it undertaker training up nathan jones getting jumped by big show a train there's a story going into it surprisingly Um, good you know i did not expect that to be watchable (laughs) alone half decent the only match that i'm aware of was the triple threat tag everything else jericho hbk storyline Booker T, Triple H, a storyline we don't want to talk about. Hogan McMahon, Austin Rock. It was from a storytelling perspective. You seem to have skipped over the women's match, by the way. No, no, I did. I said for the women's title. Oh, okay. No problem. Yeah, it's a bit shit. You said tag title, I think, by the way. Who cares? I do, because I want to know what you're talking about. (laughs) So you didn't like the women's match, is what you're saying? No, the women's match was fine. Oh, okay. I'm I'm saying there's a storyline going into everything. Oh, sorry. I got a little bit Other than the tag match. Okay. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, and that works for me. Uh, that's why, as I said, when I watch this back and you look at everything in there, I mean, as you said, had there been the triple threat tag match with a gimmick and potentially Lesnar landing the shooting star press? Yeah. But I think one of the issues with 19 not being as well received as 17 is while the stadium was good and for some of the matches the crowd were hot 
and two they, biscuit performances. <laughs> well, that's it. I think because I had to sit through crack addicts, it finished them off. <laughs> the crowd weren't as hot as they were for 17, but that's the transition from the Attitude Era to the next, to the PG Era. And you started noting that with the fan interaction. WrestleMania yeah. 17 was the last day of the Attitude Era where the fans were really, really up for it. Whereas 19, they were starting to be more up for a family day out. Yeah. Very nicely put. That's exactly how this feels. It feels very corporate. Again, like the word I used earlier was surgical, I think. It feels very surgical. It feels proper, you know? Yeah, and I, I it didn't affect my enjoyment of it, but I think <laughs> the crowd not being as... If you put 17's crowd at this card, then this would have been touted as the greatest mania of all time. Because even if you look back at Jericho HBK, just a WrestleMania match, the Brock... Lesnar match, the Brock Lesnar and Angle match was was great. Austin Rock, it it had everything, but just for some reason it's missing something. Mm. There's something missing, which I think is as we've already just touched on was was down to fan interaction. Yeah, absolutely, man. Maybe the stadium is too big and too wide because these baseball stadiums are not even like a circle, are they? They're kind of like a diamond shape. But it doesn't seem to affect the Rumble, where they've been doing it in baseball stadium mm. for the last couple of years. Maybe they've improved their seating structure or production level or something in terms of screens and things so people can see more what's going on. But yeah, it, it was a close run thing between yeah. 17 and 19. 15's yeah, nowhere to be seen. 15 was no. dross. The the Rock Austin matches exclusively. Um, I'd say 15 is probably them at their prime, but it's it's not a great match at all. It's lots of walk and brawl, just random shit around the stadium. 17... I, say it was probably the best match and 19 is is great but it's not them at their prime you know they seem to have lost focus a little bit i i'd agree with that i think just for the closure of the trilogy 19 has a better ending than 17 yeah. and that's well, what i think more, it, more to talk about exactly it also meant that we didn't have the terrible heel turn yeah I yeah, also that think that terrible. Yeah. the <laughs> night before with Austin basically being hospitalised, the night before the last match of his career, and he still managed to pull out that sort of a match, I'd, I'd go 19, 17, 15. Like, like a good fine wine, their feud got better with age. Yeah, just their matches, you're saying. Okay, yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure, man. Um, I've really enjoyed... Wait, hang on. Let me think about it. Did I enjoy it? I didn't really enjoy watching these shows. I'm going to be honest, man. Like They weren't quite as good as I remembered. There are three or four matches that are fucking killer. Like Benoit Angle, Jericho HBK. Like I'd say Matt Hardy um, and Ray. Ray from the beginning of this was really good as well. Like really impressed me. And obviously the ladder matches and stuff. You notice how every match I've mentioned... None of them are on WrestleMania 15. <laughs> but I don't know. I wanted more from this. I wanted a, a feeling of, hmm, you know, I'm happy I waited 10 years before I watched these matches again. And let's face it, Rock and Austin matches are a lot of walk and brawl. They're very much the same match. Like we made mention that they had the same, a very similar start in all three matches. Hmm. And then they, take out loads of shit. At and, the and, end, and you know? I think you summed it up perfectly. Their their in ring work will never be deemed like they're going to have a match of the year candidate. But their chemistry for their storytelling and it's their storytelling elements that and the crowd interaction is 
is what made these feuds. Yeah. But from an in-ring standpoint, as you said, Kurt Angle matches, great. Both both 17 and 19, it, despite the dodgy finish and considering how battered half the roster was going into 19 by the sound of things. Sure. But nostalgia, I still enjoyed 17 because it, it gave me warm, fuzzy memories. But it goes back to when we've also covered anything from the Attitude Era for WWE. We must stop going back to the Attitude Era because it is <laughs> shattering that warm fuzziness. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think maybe from about 2002 to about 2006 might be grotesquely underrated, you know. I've, I've been looking at a few bits from it recently and it's definitely a time period that's not really been delved into a great deal on podcasts. And part of the reason of doing this trilogy was just to go back and look at Rock Austin, obviously. But it was to get to here because I wanted to see what this was like. Because I remember hating that time period when it actually happened because it wasn't the attitude era it was different and i think i've judged it preemptively too much well if you look at who's coming through now Mm. so you've got early cena which was quite good value you've got batista and orson you've got evolution coming up next you've got the rise again See, of kurt angle as just as saying the that makes face. me feel like oh no batista's coming up like oh no edge is a main eventer not my cup of tea at all we need to watch some of this shit in the future man yeah, but let's stick away from the the WWE for uh, for a prolonged period of time because we've Absolutely. now done quite a bit. And let's move on to what we had for the rest of our schedule. So, do you want to do what we had scheduled for the next one? What have we got for our next one? So, the next one's meant to be a WWF show again, but we can do something different if you want. I've got like two or three things ready to go. What was the WWF show next? Was this Canadian Stampede? It's New Year's Revolution 2005 from... Puerto Rico, is it? Ah, the one with the thing I spoiled when we mentioned doing this before. Now, let's do that because, uh, okay. you know, it's a nice follow-on from what you said for visiting this era where Edge is starting to come to main event prominence. We've got Cena there. And again, it's got an elimination chamber. I like to shit on that gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be fair, it's exactly what I want to do after watching this trilogy of shows. That show is from 2005. And it's fairly unique because it's in Puerto Rico and it has the Elimination Chamber match and everything else. I think it's Puerto Rico anyway. So it also has some of the worst promos of all time in that pay-per-view that I watched recently. So yeah, that's why I chose to do it. Because I was like, oh, this is terrible. What's this from? And I was like, oh, well, let's do that show on the pod because it'll be fun to rip apart. Excellent. But, well, that's what we'll do next week then. All right, cool. Awesome. So um, Cornflakes, WrestleMania 19. Solid three, pushing a four. Uh, this is a four for me. I really enjoyed it. Even the Hulk Hogan Mr. Man stuff I thought was fucking hilarious. Um, so if I gave 17 a four, I don't think I can give 19 anything less than a four because I think I preferred this show over 17. So there we go. Cool. Um, trilogy. Do you want to rate the trilogy? Rock Austin? It's the greatest feud in... Um, of that time period for WWE so I'm going to go a four cornflake feud purely for the promos and the build up the my way video at 17 the fact that what we know about the end of Austin's career and it's the turning point for WWE out of the Attitude Era they still had that that hangover for two years before they started finding their feet in the PG Era for what drove them to have commercial success 
So I'd say four cornflakes for the trilogy. Even though the matches themselves weren't great, the storytelling was up there. I'd agree, man. Like For me, as part of this, this trilogy with these two guys, the best part about it are the video packages. And so it's the roars leading up to it. It's the the bullshit pay-per-views with the dodgy finishes, the the storylines, the moments, the rock concert, you know? Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin with the beer truck, the corporation, the corporate ministry. That's all the stuff that makes the feud for me with The Rock and Austin. It's not the matches. There isn't a five-star match here. It's not even like a really a three-star match, to be totally honest. <laughs> but um, it's these two guys are so charismatic. They're so determined to do what they do in the ring and to do it better than anyone else and i think they do um i think it's great i think it's easily for touching on five but you know sure michael's chris jericho is five agreed yeah anyway i think we'll leave it there lovely, mate. lovely job well i look forward to a New Year's revolution. <laughs> it's been an interesting trilogy. So we're off to 2005. WWE's New Year's revolution next week. It's going to be great. Where can people find you on the old social media, buddy? I'm at the Tex Williams on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. But obviously with very little going on in the wrestling world, you might get me occasionally joking about... Well, I can't even really joke about things at the moment because it would be deemed too insensitive to post anything so yeah, yeah follow me on social media follow the pod see what we've got coming up and <coughs> remember the main place to get hold of us is at world of rest pod where can people find you and also where can people find your good work that you do for wrestle talk uh add me at fanboy rich on twitter and um yeah just all over wrestle talk <laughs> i do a lot of stuff for them uh, fucking andy popped on a conference call thing the other day going and introduced me as the guy that edits everything for wrestle talk <laughs> and obviously he's exaggerating we have other editors like you know uh, Laurie does the uh, explain stuff and Simon does most of the news during the week, but pretty much everything else is me. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Add Russell Talk on YouTube. We're, we're nearing million subscribers. We're up to 800,000. It's really cool. We've got um, an exciting new prospect on our Russell Talk interviews channel as well. So Ooh. go add that and parts fun known as well. We've got like four channels now. It's ridiculous. And also, if you're missing your hit of professional wrestling um, and you didn't catch it when they went live with it, um, the, when WrestleTalk sponsored and supported the you know Brit Rest scene with their No Fan Show, go and give that a watch on YouTube. Some great action. Headlined by Willa Spray against B Priestley. Uh, can confirm that won't be the last show WrestleTalk ever put on. <gasps> exclusive yeah i don't think anyone's mentioned that so if anyone from russell talk hears this i'm sorry <laughs> um hashtag book tax williams <laughs> on that note thank you everyone uh yeah cheers for tuning into this trilogy it's been good fun we'll get back to some silliness of new year's revolution next week eh cannot wait look after yourself guys take care bye-bye